Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, good morning. It's time for the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Here's Gary Dickman with our top headlines. <laughs> well, Brittany Griner uh, had an appeal today and was hoping to get out of jail a little early than the nine-year sentence. And uh, no, it's not going to happen. She will get credit for time served as of now. Eight years is still uh, what she's facing, although, according to ESPN.com, they do say that maybe Russia is waiting on a prisoner swap until the uh, the midterms here, so President Biden won't be able to claim a victory and the Democrats before that. That is Uh, one big headline. Yeah, that's a big headline. I don't understand, and I'm going over this over and over again. The the person who writes the article is... um, the person who writes the article says this is completely anticipate this is a completely anticipated result in this trial so the attorneys say the result was not what we expected i don't know what's going on so this is once again what you failed to mention this this is her appeal they rejected her I said appeal that. okay so they rejected her rejected her appeal and so now it looks like she's Who knows what's going on? We can't really say what's going on. We hear that they're working on a prisoner swap, although Russia doesn't want the guy we want to swap. They want who? What? Paul Paul Whelan, I guess. But, I mean, they did want... That's what we get for reading 95% of the article. They want to... uh, They want a prisoner who's being held in Germany. So... um, it just gets more screwy and screwier. It gets screwier and screwier with Brittany Griner. I mean, poor thing. She's been there since February. I mean, she did do something illegal, I guess. But does the punishment fit the crime? Not at I all. Don't think, I don't think so. That's why they're saying she is being held um, illegally. But you said the they're going to the president is holding off so that he can have a. They don't Look want good to, politically. They don't want the Democrats, or most, maybe more specifically, according to the article, President Biden to be able to claim a victory before the midterm. Oh, Russia election. doesn't want Russia to. doesn't. Oh, so they okay, might wait gotcha. till after November eighth before they do the prisoner swap. Because when the prisoner swap was first suggested three months ago or so, it seemed like again, according to the reports, then that that had a chance of actually occurring. And people were wondering why the delay, even though it wasn't going to be a fast process. So maybe right. it does. It does seem to make sense. That just if they're going to so, wait till after the elections. Just so we're clear, they're not talking about doing the swap after November 8th. They're talking about starting negotiating after November 8th. That's an incredibly different timeline. 
It could be, but they also they, they have been negotiating. There was reports of them negotiating in the summer when yeah. we, the United States sent people over there to work on it, hoping that it would get done sooner than later, and didn't happen sooner. Hasn't happened at all. But I know they have been, according to again, according to the media, they have been negotiating for. I don't know if they can right. continue to negotiate, but they yeah, did they do can. that a few months ago. <laughs> they, they they figured they were, they 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 finished the negotiating window. Is that what you're talking no, about? No, no, no. So negotiations no. are going on still, but they've cut them off. Okay, they've okay. cut them off, and they will not start negotiating again until November eighth. After that point, then you know something might happen. But I've I never heard about this prisoner from Germany, and maybe I haven't been paying much attention. But it's the guy from Germany they they want. So I mean, it's like in the NBA doing a three way trade. <laughs> could be. Could I wasn't be. even. A, I wasn't joking. I mean, that's that's that's. Uh, I mean, this is this is so sick. This is like a movie. This is a this is a this is a movie that we're watching. Brittany Griner will never be the same. No, they even talking about sending her to another prison, which uh, is not as safe as where well, she is right now. That's, that's where you go. When you're sentenced to eight years in prison, you stay out of the holding cell that she's in, and you go to these prisons. And these prisons are not safe at all in Russia. So now they, for normally they would have sent you there already, but thankfully they haven't sent her yet. You just wonder, like in the United States, we have minimum security, maximum security. The minimum security ones aren't supposed to be as dangerous as the maximum security. I don't know if it's like that in Russia at all, though. So when they take obviously the, not. Well, I, I, we don't <laughs> like know. Saying, well, jails in Mexico—they actually, uh, they'll, you know, they'll they'll steal your wallet when you go to jail in Mexico. It's not like that in America. We've, you know, America is unlike a lot of these countries. Well, I don't these know. These guys are criminals. They they took her. They took her. They wrongfully detained her. And you think they're going to be fair? Do you think they care about her feelings or her safety? No, they want their prisoners back. We'll move on to our next um, headline here, and uh, it really is the uh, Monday night football last night. The Chicago Bears demolish, demolish the New England Patriots. At first, it was like that Chinese torture, just a drip, drip, drip. It was like field goal, field goal, field goal. They start adding up, then the dam breaks. And Justin Fields looks like the guy. I don't have the stats in front of me, and I didn't even see the whole game. He looked like the guy that was they were supposed to get with the first round draft choice. Uh, I, I mean, here's a here's a here's a plan for Bill Belichick. Okay, on third down, the quarterback most likely is going to run for nine or ten yards, and they couldn't stop him. He ran the ball real effectively. I don't know if he passed the ball that well. It looked better than maybe in some of the previous games, and he did rush for 82 yards. I thought he ran the ball well, but passing 13 of 21, 179 yards. I mean, I wouldn't say 13 he... of 21. It's about 65 percent. I don't think it's that high. 11 of well, 21. 14 of 14 of 21. Gary, you got to wake up. 14 of 21 is 66 percent. Two thirds. Yeah, but 11 of 21 is like 50%, of 53%. Oh, I thought you just said 13 of 21. I know. I'm just saying, so he's not that oh. – I don't, I, I don't think – anyway, oh, gosh. He, for him it was a good game, but it's still <laughs> not like he's lighting it up and people are going to give him Pro Bowl votes because of his passing last night. Right. I don't expect to see Patrick Mahomes, but I saw a better version of Justin Fields. So if you're a Bears fan, I think you kind of got to be excited about that. 
you, you do, and it's, it's because of the NFL and the way it's playing out so far, and we're almost at the midway point, they're only like a game out of second place. Or actually two games, well, two and a half out of first place, which isn't that crazy considering that they don't really look that good overall. They're tied with Green Bay, uh, mm-hmm. but they still have a chance to make the playoffs. The, right now, the last team in the playoffs would be the Rams at 3-3. Three and three. They would be the last wild card. So the Bears are only a half game out. I don't think they're a playoff team, but it just shows how there's so much parity this year where a lot of teams right around 500. If they can hang around there, they do have a chance, which is crazy. You know, there's so much time left, though. I mean, are we looking at the playoffs now just a little over a third into the season? We're almost at the midpoint. Seven seven games into the season of a 17-game regular season. Um, Maybe when we get to the mid... eh, Maybe when we get to the midpoint. But... um, I, I thought that, you know, just watching the game, I thought Justin Fields, you know, he did okay. I didn't see the interception that he threw. Was it a um, was it one where it went through someone's hands or? I'm, I'm not trying to remember. All I don't right. remember. Really, the story, though, wasn't Justin Fields. The story is Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones. Mac Jones comes out into the game, and after three series, you pull him? Yeah, two three and outs and an interception for Mac Jones, and he gets taken out right away, and – you know, even the players in the New England Patriots were saying they weren't aware that this was going to happen. I guess it was kind of pre-planned for New England. It was planned to That's have what, him play three series? Not to play three series, sense. but to have both quarterbacks play. I don't think that anybody indicated when he would leave the game. But and he can, maybe because he was coming back from the injury, if he didn't look 100% or wasn't clicking, they were going to make the mm. quick change. Yeah. Uh, but that was kind of crazy. But I mean, I don't think anybody watching it expected anything like that. No, and you don't expect that. I mean, here's your first-round draft choice. He's injured. You brought him back to the game. And, look, Zappi looked good for a couple of those possessions. Yeah. And then it totally went south on him. You know, I feel sorry for a guy like Matthew Judon. I mean, that guy's a that guy's a that guy's an all-pro this year. My goodness, the season that guy's having. But New but England, I, it just looks really, really bad. And, it's, I mean, they've just gotten worse and worse. Mac Jones looked good last year for the beginning of the season, didn't finish strong. And even though it's, you know he's hurt, of course, this year, this is just not a Patriots team that is going places. I think Bill Belichick is just hanging on until he can become the all-time winningest coach. And right now he's – You think that's tied. what he's hanging on for? Yeah, I, I think I think he's not going to retire because, I mean, why would you hang on when this team is so bad and you're not a playoff team after what he's accomplished? But he needs 23 more wins. To pass you Don that, Chula. You think that coaches think that way? Not, I don't know about all coaches. I think when you're that close you think, but, to something like this, yeah. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, it's like maybe you coach because you enjoy coaching. And it's like, well, I'm hanging on for the record. I, 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 I mean, I could, I, I'm not arguing that point. I just wonder if that's, the, if, that's, if that's the makeup of Bill Belichick, if that's a makeup of somebody who is truly great. You know, that's like saying Tom Brady's, he's just hanging on and, you know, it cost him his marriage and everything. He's just hanging on to break some kind of record. I don't know that Brady's, I think Brady just likes playing football. Me too. That's different. I mean, Jerry I, Rice hung out around too long because he just likes playing football. Rod Woodson hung around too long because he just like playing football. Joe Namath hung around too long because he was probably in debt or something. Maybe, but I, I just think in this or, situation, or, uh, Tony Dorsett. Tony Dorsett hung around too long because he was in debt. He couldn't. He had to play really? football as long as he could. Yeah. 
I think with Belichick, I think it's a strong possibility. I really do. Because, I mean, no, your, okay. your legacy is taking a shot just because of how poorly they played, where every year they were a playoff team, they were a Super Bowl contender almost every season. Yeah, that was with Tom Brady. And when Brady right. left, a lot of people were thinking, who's going who's gonna to do better without each other? Brady, and Brady won the Super right. Bowl the first year. I don't know if Belichick's worried about that as much. but I, think- I wonder. See, I would wonder if that's – that's the motivation is, hey, I got to show them. Not I don't win the most wins, but I got to show them. Or, you know what? I'm not as good without Brady, so let me get that record, and that will be my legacy. Mm, right. Maybe that's what he's holding on. That's the reason he's holding on to that. Or are you thinking, um, you know what? I got to get one more. I got to get one more. Oh, that Tom Brady, right? Yeah, where Robert Kraft, the owner, was probably happy for Brady winning a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. Bill Belichick, I would think, was not happy about that at all. Well, he's not happy if anybody's winning a Super Bowl but him. <laughs> yeah, but even more so to show that Brady can win without him as opposed to the other option. I didn't see the press conference. Was the press conference like one of those, uh, I'm just looking forward to the New York Jets. I'm just looking, we're just, we're just worried about the New York Jets. We're worried I about ju- the Jets. I just read it. But, I mean, they were asking about who's going to be the starting quarterback next week. And he said, come on, the game right. just ended, which is <laughs> a good answer, which is a good answer. I mean, what do you expect him to say at that point? you got to do the Norm Chow. Remember Norm Chow's go-to? Uh, I'm trying to remember. It, no, it was – it was. Uh, ask, ask me a question. Okay, Norm Chow coming off the – you know, uh, at Co- the press conference. Coach, tough loss. What's the message to the team going to be in the locker room? I don't know. I have to go watch the film. <laughs> Who's going to be the Ask starting quarterback question. next week? i got to watch the film. Remember? You, he used yeah, to always now I do. do that. <laughs> it's a great answer in a way. You don't want to say anything. Well, because, I mean, I, I probably I tend to believe the guy. Yes. But a lot of coaches I tend to believe would the say. Guy. A lot of coaches can tell with some things without watching the film. Yeah, I don't think right. he wanted to comment. Yes. Norm Chow didn't want to comment. He didn't want to make public appearances. He didn't want to do call the coach. He didn't, he didn't want to do a lot of stuff. He just wants to watch the film. Didn't seem like well, he wanted to win a lot either. got all the time in the world to watch the film. You got all the time in the world now. Watch some film. Let us know how that goes for you. I don't know. I love the story, though, of the Chicago Bears. If they can come back, Matt, it'll show Matt Uberflus, Eberflus. I mean, here's a guy where, like, who's that? It's like Nick Sirianni. It's like yeah. the Eagles hires. What, Sir, who? Where's the what? What idiots! <laughs> and now look who's you know look who's uh, taking receipts. Nick Sirianni is. I'd love to see a story of this guy, Matt Uberflus. Where did he come from? I don't even remember. I never heard of him until he got hired. But Sirianni, we never heard of him. Right now, he'd be the coach of the year, easily. Yeah, um, yeah. The if you, I'm looking at the standings here. And you mentioned the Chicago Bears are tied with the Green Bay Packers. And this is going to be one of those weird years where, you know, it's like the Jets. I'm not I'm putting down your team. But obviously, the earth is hurling into the sun any moment now. Pigs are flying yep. because you have the Jets and the Giants who are total contenders. Yep. I mean, the Jets and the Giants are powers right now in the NFL. This the NFL has flipped itself on its has flipped itself on itself. It's early. Bear with me. The Buffalo Bills are five and one. Totally to be expected. Usually in the AFC East, it's the New England Patriots and a bunch of losers. Yep. Well, here comes yep. Josh Allen and some other guys. Uh, Tua Tonga. Now that now, the New England Patriots are in last place, behind the Dolphins. 
behind the Jets and way behind the Buffalo Bills. You see, the AFC North, it is what we thought it was. They're beating each other up. The Ravens and Bengals are tied at 4-3. and three. The Steelers and the Browns are bad. The Tennessee Titans have made a big recovery. And they are now in first place, partially because they're in the same division as the Colts, the Jags, and the Texans. The AFC South has become what the AFC East used to be. This league is all mixed up. It is, but it kind of makes it fun in a way. And that for the Jets, yeah. even if they don't make the playoffs, if they can finish ahead of New England in the standings, I think that would feel pretty good for Jets fans. I don't know if that's ever happened with Bill Belichick as a head coach, that the Jets finished ahead of the Patriots. And some people might be enjoying this because of their dominance over the years. But it, it, it is crazy. And it just also showed that there's a lot of teams. Remember, there's seven teams in the playoffs now at each conference. You have that extra team from last year that a lot of teams are going to have a chance to make the playoffs even with one or two weeks left in the season because 500 looks about good, looks pretty good right now. And we talked about the NFC South yesterday, under 500 in the division. Atlanta and Tampa tied at three and four. And I wouldn't be surprised if the winner of that division is only 500 or maybe even below 500. All right, Tanner, thank you very much for the text. Matt Eberflus was the defensive coordinator for the Colts uh, from 2018 to 21. Thank you, Tanner. But um, I don't want to get into who's better than who and all of that because that's kind of boring. I just like the turn that the NFL's taken early into the season. Now, I'm here to say that if you're two wins and four losses this with this long season, you are by no means out of it. So I hope I don't hear anyone say, if the playoffs were held today, because I will stop them and say, the playoffs aren't held today, so stop talking. It's way too early. If the playoffs started tomorrow, though, this is what. <laughs> but you keep 18 saying it's minutes early. after the hour here on ESPN Honolulu, University of Hawaii now facing Wyoming. We'll get into that coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. We'll have another traffic update coming up in about 10 minutes. Less than 10 minutes here on ESPN Honolulu. How's it? Chris Hart, Gary Dickman, the sports animals on the Bobby Curran Show. And uh, I don't know, who holds the, who holds the uh, Paniolo Trophy? Who's got that puppy? We won it we last it? year. I think, we, All right. I think we knocked him out of a bowl eligibility position last year by beating them. late. Oh, season. that's right. We beat yeah. him on the road 38-14. Yeah. to 14. Woo! Um. You know, if we're not playing for a bowl game or anything else, can we just win a trophy this year? The Cutter Trophy is out. Uh, UNLV is really good, so that one's going to be tough. Well, you know, Wyoming's a pretty good football team too. I'd like. What would you rather have, the Paniolo Trophy or the Ninth Island Showdown Trophy? Wow, that's a good question. I would say, in a way, the Paniolo because it's older, so it's more there's more tradition there. But the Vegas one, how could you say no to Vegas? That's a tough one. See, I might go tradition. The, I'd rather have the Vegas one because I'm trying to make that a full blown legit rivalry. Because who is our rivalry against? 
a lot of people would say Fresno State. Right. And yeah. and it, and and that's fitting because we haven't played. We've played Fresno State more than any other opponent in the history of UH football. And uh, you know, so and Fresno State, that's a cool rivalry. But I think our rivalry should be the eight islands against the ninth island. It totally makes sense. But it's not. We need somebody to throw a screwdriver on the field or something. I don't know. We, it, it's just not taking. Yeah, there. Ha- I mean, there've been some really weird games, some unbelievable finishes. But the the games and the importance of the games with Fresno is probably why that rivalry is still intact, even though it's been a little. I don't know if it's been lopsided lately, but those games had a lot of importance over the years as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, John is calling in at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. John. Hey, as a Chicago native, uh, I got one thing to say: Dumb Bears. Um, <laughs> I was so happy. I didn't think they could beat those guys last night. But one common theme when the Bears are playing well is you got Bears linebackers and uh, defensive backs running around with the ball. And it was like uh, when the Bears are winning, that's that's the kind of stuff that's happening. But I'll tell you one thing. I didn't think they could beat the Patriots last night, but now they got me looking forward to the Bears going down there and eating some cowboy steak in Dallas. So, <laughs> Oh, hold hold your horses there, John. Be careful what you wish for. Hey, but well, did you did you, you agree? You didn't just have... didn't Justin Fields huh? look good? Didn't Justin Fields look good in that game? Yeah, he sure did. But it was uh, well. I mean, the whole, it seems like they beat him in all phases of the game yesterday. But uh, basically, they were running the ball down those guys' throat, and they couldn't do nothing about it. I think that's what was kind of happening. But. Uh, um, but I, you know what? It's I like watching the Cowboys lose, but I like nothing more than watching them lose to Dub Bears. So, uh, <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that on Sunday. But anyway, uh, have a great day, guys. Thanks. Thank you, John. And I know you're going to have a great day today. Who do you think Mike Ditka roots for when he's going to watch the Cowboys and the Bears? Ooh, I would maybe think the Bears because he won a Super Bowl with them. He didn't win one with. I thought that would be the only reason, but. Hmm. Played for the Cowboys, coached the Bears. He never won a Super Bowl with the – I guess he was before um, when the, the Cowboys started winning uh, yeah, Super Yeah, I think Bowls. so. Right, right. But anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm happy for Justin Fields. I'd like to – you know, before he had a really bad coach, a really bad offensive line, and hopefully tonight wasn't just one of those flukes where you come out and everything's working – you know, everything is working. Offense, defense, special teams. You have big plays. Is that the real Bears, or is it just a mighty collapse, a, a brain fart, if you would, if you will, that the New England Patriots had? I mean, the Patriots aren't the Patriots of old, but are they that bad, or is Chicago that good, or is this just an isolated incident? I think maybe a little of both. The Patriots are really bad, I, and Justin Fields is better than his numbers have shown. Really bad? Here. You said they're really bad. See, to me, the Texans are Texans are really bad. The Steelers are playing really bad uh jacksonville's kind of bad you put the patriots amongst those guys you think I guess the patriots because are like top five pick guys I, I guess it's because it's a patriot you you don't i mean for them being three and four is really really bad just because of how great they have been over the year they're not maybe as bad with their record as some of those other teams sure but for this is the team that usually is in the playoffs or in the playoff hunt, and even though their right. record shows that they do have a chance to get back in it, they just don't play like it. 
Um, I mean, they do, it's kind of ironic in a way that last night's game, Mac Jones and Justin Field, they quarterbacked against each other in the national championship game just a few years ago, too. Ohio State uh, t- and Alabama. Tanner gave us some info. Thank you, Tanner, back in the Paxa studios in downtown. Uh, Mike Ditka was the backup tight end in 71 when the Cowboys won Super Bowl Six. All right, so he does have a Super Bowl. Oh, okay. He was a great, I mean, he's a, he's a Hall of Fame tight end and a Hall of Fame coach. Did he get in as a, t- as a player? I don't know. He got. He's, I know he got, um, yeah, I think he got in. I know he's in the Hall of Fame, and when he was in the Hall of Fame, they showed video of him playing tight end, so I don't know. Anyway, all right, well, we've got uh, the girls' volley, the state, uh, the New City Nissan girls' state volleyball tournament is underway. We've got um, OIA playoffs going on. We've got postseason on the way for high school football. By the way, uh, yesterday, congratulations to the winners in the state tournament. Moanalua, Punahou, whoop, whoop, Mililani, and Kapolei, all winners yesterday in the New City Nissan Girls State Volleyball Tournament. Uh, more games um, in store today and tomorrow and Thursday and Friday. Anyway, wall-to-wall volleyball in the state tournament. Uh, We'll be right back with Kalani Takase from Scoring Live on ESPN Honolulu. Thank you, Chris. Got a lot of big high school football games. The uh, league tournaments went underway, started getting underway last week. A lot to look forward to. We're going to get it broken down for us now as we are joined on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline from scoringlive.com. Kalani Takase. Kalani, thanks for coming on with us so early. And before we talk about what's ahead this week, I want to get your thoughts on the two OIA games last week where both Kahuku beating Kapolei rather decisively and Mililani over Campbell in a really exciting game. Uh, those are, I think, the teams we all expected. Were you surprised by how any of those games played out? Uh, no, not really, Gary. Um, and no, no disrespect meant there to uh, Kapolei. Um, it's, it's tough to go up to that Kahuku, uh, uh, go up to Carlton Weimer Field and then come out with the win, uh, you know, out there. Um, and, of course, this Kuku team is loaded, and uh, they, uh, you know, seemingly have uh, better themselves uh, off of those um, two games against mainland power, St. John Bosco and St. Francis of Maryland, and, and now they're they're pretty much, you know, revving their engines um, coming into the uh, OI championship game. Um, so it's about what I expected from this Kuku team. Um, it'll be interesting as far as Kapolei to see if they can – you know, they can upset uh, Campbell in that third-place game and sneak into the state championship. Um, I think Campbell just has too many weapons, um, as we saw in that Mililani game, despite, you know, giving up 19. Uh, they were outscored 19-0 in that third quarter. They, they lost 39-29. So they were in it for sure. Uh, yeah. They were leading for much of it. And, and you know, they, it's, it's not often you see three receivers on one team go for 100 yards each. Um, but that's what they had, uh, you know, Friday night. So... Campbell's definitely loaded. Uh, I think they will reload, uh, you know, in time for this matchup against Kapolei Friday night. Uh, Mililani's the one that, that uh, you know, that 
it'll be interesting to see what they come up with, uh, you know, scheme-wise against uh, Kahuku Friday night. And they'll both get in the state tournament, both Milivani and Kahuku. But I, I want to ask you a couple of questions based on what you just said. First of all, with Kahuku, with how great and dominant they've been, at least in Hawaii this year, and doing a good job against those mainland schools, as you said, is this one of the better or the best Kahuku teams you've seen in recent years? Um, yeah, you know, I feel like I get asked this question kind of often, um, and <laughs> it's fair because these teams are just so good that they put out year after year. And, uh, you know, I think, the difference this year is that we have a bit of a measuring stick because they played these teams like Bosco and St. Francis um, in the same season, you know, a couple weeks apart. And, and, you know, yes, they lost both games. Uh, St. Francis game was very uh, close at the right. end. You know, some say that they should have won. Um, and so I think by, by that measure, I think this is, you know, one of the, the better Kahuku teams that we've seen in the past, uh, past decade, I think. Yeah. Kalani Takase from Scoring Live joins us on the Aloha Kia Hotline. The other question that comes to mind when you brought up your comments about these schools, do we ever, I know maybe even Raleigh's not even the right way to ask, but do we see upsets with the top teams in either the Open, especially in the Open division for both the OIA and the ILH? I can't remember the last time we've had an actual upset come playoff time. Well, the advent of the Open division came about in 2016, so we're about five years in or so, you know, with the COVID year. And I, the, the biggest upset that I can recall off the top of my head, I believe it was in that very first year, uh, was Kapolei uh, upsetting Punahou in the first round of the state tournament. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, and that, I think that tournament... <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, got, <laughs> Sorry, got, go ahead. The ILH got two teams into the tournament that year. And so it was a bit, you know, the tournament's been tweaked since then. Um, but that's that's the biggest one that I can recall off the top of my head. Okay, well, let's f- uh, forward ahead for this week with Kahuku and Mililani meeting. We know what happened just a few weeks ago when they played each other. What does Mililani have to do differently to try to pull the upset to some people for this week? Well, I think they have to stop the run. You know, we watched, we saw this Kahuku team uh, run for 200 yards against Mililani. I think it was 5.6 per rush. Um, by Malai Fonoti went for over 100 yards. Um, and they were able to really kind of control the tempo of that game with their run. Uh, and then, of course, I think Mililani has to avoid turnovers, uh, you know, which we saw that game basically turn um, in that third quarter. Late in that third quarter, Mililani was leading 9-7, and then uh, Kahuku comes down, scores a touchdown, takes the lead 13-9. Uh, they get a pick on you know Mililani's first or second play of their ensuing drive. They go back and they score a couple of plays later. And then they get a pick six right after that. So everything kind of swung in Kahuku's favor right in that kind of, uh, you know, three, four-minute stretch there late in the third quarter. Mililani's got to get their guys going. You know, they in that game against Kahuku, um, Raymond Roller, their leading, leading receiver, I think he had one reception. You know, he did have that punt return for a touchdown late in the game. Um, but but they've got to get him going. Um, and then, you know, uh, and then the, the receiving game, you know, they've got to get, uh, you know, some consistency there, you know, um, with, with Roller, with Gavin Hunter. And then I think in the run game with uh, Kingston Samuelo there, he, he didn't have a touch in that Kahuku game the first time. He's their leading rusher, so they'll need him to, to kind of uh, eat some clock there. Kalani Takase from ScoringLive.com joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. Uh-huh. I just want to ask you one question about the D1 game coming up, and that's Iea and Waipahu. That should be a Woo! fantastic game this yeah! week as well. Nali, let's go. <laughs> Kalani? He doesn't want to answer the question. 
Yeah, still, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. I missed the uh, what was the question there. Too? Oh, sorry, I I blurted all over it. He was thinking about the Dodgers <laughs> when you asked him about Ayaya <laughs> and Waipahu coming up this week. Yeah, I think this. I think this will be the game of the week. Uh, this is uh, you know all, the both teams are, are you know picking up a lot of steam coming into the playoffs. And it's going to be different from the first matchup, which I think is why it's so interesting, right? Why Pahu, uh, since then, they, they've had to, you know, switch, not switch quarterbacks, but go to their number two quarterback because of an injury to their starter. And, you know, their number two quarterback happens to be, I think it's fair to say, their their best athlete, their best player in uh, Liatama Uiliata. Um, and he's so much fun to watch. Uh, hopefully everyone gets to tune in if you're not there at Mililani Saturday night. Uh, but he's worth the price of admission alone, Fiatama Uiliata. And then on the IA side, uh, you know, there was their homecoming when they played Waipahu the last time. And their quarterback, Ezekiel Oli, it was the one game that he's missed this season. Uh, and IA still only lost by six points. You know, they, the first touchdown they got was on a trick play. Um, and then the second one was on a long run. And that's the thing about this IA team that I think people maybe kind of overlook is, yes, they have Ezekiel Oli. Yes, they have you know, five, six studs in the receiving core who have been here, uh, done that. Um, but they also have a run game, you know, Kaimana, Lali, Saole, and, and they've kept it um, pretty, pretty, you know, balanced uh, between the run and the pass. Uh, I think they're averaging over 130 per game. So they're able to run the ball if they need to. Right on. Speak it, baby. Speak it. Exciting <laughs> times with the state tournament right around the corner. We got a full set of playoffs this year where we didn't have that quite the last couple of years. Kalani, thanks for talking with us about high school football. Enjoy the rest of the games. It should be a fun couple of weeks at least. Right on. Thanks, All right. Kalani. You guys have a great Tuesday. Take care. All okay. right. Thanks, you Kalani. too. All right. Loving you a lot. Kalani Takase from Scoring Live. Uh, you can catch it at the uh, girls' volleyball tournament. I thought you were going to ask a question about the girls' volleyball tournament. I wonder if he's he's probably not covering that. It's probably somebody else. I, I'm not sure. I just know he covers high school football pretty much, so I wanted to ask him about what's coming up. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, check out the tournament tonight, 5 o'clock, uh, at Kalani or St. Louis ScoringLive.com. has uh, all your coverage and photos and things like that. So thank you. Kalani appears via the Aloha Kia hotline. See ya in a Kia. How about that IEA team? Man, is it a bunch of kids not going to private school all of a sudden in, 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 in our area? Or well, I mean, all of a sudden you got, I mean, alignments getting offers from Ohio State. Right, right. And they, they were good this, last year, too. They were real, weren't they in the D2 title game, I believe, right? I don't, I don't remember. I mean, I don't remember who was even in the Super Bowl last year. But, <laughs> you know, that's good to see because they've yeah. been, you know, they were really good. And Wendell Say has dedicated his life. I don't know Wendell Say, but, I mean, it seems like he's just dedicated his life to being a teacher to these kids for year after year after year. He's got to be the longest tenured football coach in high school, isn't he? What about when to look? Oh, or maybe. I mean, either one or. Of, I mean, either one or, of, yeah. One of the guys, for yeah. sure. But, uh, yeah, you, hand it to you got to hand it to him. It's, uh, it, it's nice to see. It is. It is. New kids yeah. on the block, so to speak. But they're doing really well. And, again, it's not just a one-year wonder. Uh, but last year, a very good team as well. Hopefully it'll where continue. Are we, so where are we with the ILH? Is the ILH already decided? What's no. going on? Well, last weekend, St. Louis took care of Kamehameha, so now they will get Punahou this week. Uh, if St. Louis wins, they'd have to beat him a second time to get the top seed. Oh. If not, well, to get the, the, one, the only the only bit, excuse me. That's one thing. I, I don't want to get into it again. We do it every few years, but I wish the, they would pick. No, no. You do it. But I think a lot of people agree. 
They they take automatically three OIA schools into the but state tournament and only one island. It is what it is, and it goes by the number of teams in the OIA, the yeah. number of teams in the ILH, and that's 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 what the ILH signed up for. The ILH signed up for it, and they know going in, every coach, no coach ever complains about it, at least publicly. They say, hey, we know that going in, we agreed to it, you got to be number one in our league to go on to the playoffs. And um, so, I don't know, it's... It seems fair because there's three ILH teams. There's how many OIA teams in the open division? Not many, but, you know, what, three guys get in from the OIA? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, but one I think it should the, be the best team. the Big Island and whatever. No, well, for the open division, it's okay, okay. It's, I just think that it's, it's, it's a formula that we've had for a long time, and it works out. Anyway, uh, quarter to seven here. We'll check your traffic now on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. Hope you're having a great week so far. Uh, Kalani Takase was, uh, we're talking some high school sports and um, a lot of folks going down to check out the uh, girls volleyball tournament. That's going to be very cool as we get into it and crown a champion this week. When does the H, when does the state championships in football start? Like in a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, it should start in about two weeks, I believe. Yeah, because they're still having like this will be the OIA championship game with Mililani and Kahuku, and then like for the ILH they're playing this week. But again, if Punahou somehow loses this week, St. Louis should get another crack at them the week after. Right on. All right, uh, let's see. Oh, look at that! Ben Simmons is in the news. Brooklyn Nets Ben Simmons has fouled out two out of the last three games. Davis Rositis has walked through that door for the Brooklyn Nets. Boy, he's an angry, angry young guy. Uh, he said, and, and granted, that sixth foul that he got last night, that was a horrible call. Yeah. I, I don't know what the ref was thinking. But then again, you got five, you, you know, you got five fouls. You fouled out two of the last three games. Is there some kind of conspiracy against Ben Simmons from the referees? I like that, actually, because it shows he's being aggressive, which is something he might not have been previously. Ah. You know, he's, he's, his, um, he has a good point. He, he, but he's just – your point doesn't come across. When you're already the villain uh, to a lot of people, which Ben Simmons is – and uh, look at the way the 76ers are starting. He should actually be in a good mood that he's not in the 76ers <laughs> anymore. He says, I just he, uh, I just saw the plane. Uh, you just saw the play. He's talking about the foul. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it wasn't a foul. The guy called it a foul, made a mistake. It is what it is. It's really frustrating. It's not a foul, but it was bull blank. Yeah. It's frustrating because it's late in the game, fourth quarter. It's a physical close game. It's the NBA, not college, not high school. So he's got a point. The NBA, they call things differently than they do in college or high school. He says, yes. some people are going to get hit. Some people are going to bleed. It's basketball. 
Now he was given a uh, he was given a technical foul in the first quarter, and he says there was no explanation for that call. So, which is kind of a stupid statement, because the referee told him <laughs> why he gave him a technical. <laughs> I know <laughs> you you cussed, you swore. So I'm giving you a technical. He's going by. Well, I didn't cuss at you. It doesn't matter. Stop it, Ben Simmons. You, just be quiet and play. My gosh. He did get robbed on that sixth call. I get it. But you, when you keep talking, you make yourself sound a little dumb. A little, if that's even possible, to look even worse for him. And two of the three games he, he played so far hasn't looked good. The one win he has looked good. I, I think maybe part of it is a little bit of the rust as far as his numbers not being up there. Uh, hopefully it will help the team. He's a good defensive player, but uh, – it's going to take him a while to get back to being an all-star caliber player, and it sure hasn't happened yet. And hopefully it will soon for the Nets' benefit. That was, a, that was an unusual game in this aspect last night. They played Memphis, the Nets. First of all, the game wasn't close in the, at that point of the fourth quarter. That's the other thing. When you say it's a tight game, it's late in the game. The game was over, basically, I thought. Oh. Uh, John Moran. And it was over, and who was the winner Memphis. at that point? Memphis. Huh. Brooklyn Nets lost again? Yeah, they're one and two. The season's over. Forget about the playoffs. If the playoffs were held today, <laughs> they're on the outside looking in, baby. Oh yeah. Oh somebody man. gave what their one. Must be like to be a Nets fan. Somebody gave uh, the media. They're gave one their, and two. Fire their, Steve Nash. Yeah, that's gonna happen. Mark my words. Make happen. Kyrie Irving the coach. Not a bad idea. <laughs> somebody gave their one week awards in the NBA. Now that the season is a week old. And your favorite coach, Greg Popovich, won Coach of the Year. They're three and one right now. You know, early on, we're a roster. I don't even recognize half the players on that team. Even Utah is three and one. And you know, we know what happened to them in the off season. But you know, when you look at the, the Nets game last night, Bain and Morant, John Morant for Memphis, both had thirty-eight. Kyrie and Durant both had thirty-seven. And that is the first time, I believe, since the 1960s that four players, two in each team, had more than 36 points. All four players did. It was, all, it was basically yeah. just a two-on-two -two game. And John Moran is the early choice, again, one weekend, to maybe being the most improved player again in the MVP. He is that unbelievable. I'm joking about most improved in a way. But he was last year, I believe. Uh 49 points the other night. The how guy he, is just unstoppable. How did, he, how did he improve on greatness? He was already great. He wasn't as great the week, year before that. He he really took took he took he took it up a notch, and he's done that every year. He, he's right. that great of a player. And if he was in a bigger market, you'd probably well. I think we are hearing a lot about him now, especially with their playoff run last year, beating Minnesota, almost beat not almost beating Golden State, but giving them a tough time in that six game series. He's, he's the next super, and Durant kind of anointed him as the, you know, one of the biggest stars in the game the other day as well. You know who looks really good? The Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics yeah. look really, really good. Maybe not last night, as they lost to the Bulls, who aren't that good. Yeah, they do look really good. Yeah. In fact, somebody voted for um, a Tatum, Jason Tatum as the MVP, or predicting that he'll win it this year. They, I mean, you got to give them credit with all they went through with the turmoil, Umeo Doka being on the outs, uh, getting another head coach in there, losing their other top assistant to Utah. Again, it's only four games, but they do have a lot of talent on paper. But I, I think it's going to come down to the last week or two because as well as they should look, 
and are look, looking good on paper and on the court. You've got Milwaukee. You've got Philadelphia that will get better. Uh, you've got other teams in there. I mean, I don't. I think the Nets will still be there once they get this all sorted out, and maybe they have to fire a coach to get there. But it's not just one or two teams. And you got to even mention Miami. Miami's had a slow start at one and three, but we know how talented they are. Yeah. Well, the Lakers are. I mean, the Lakers are still talented. But we don't I mean, look. Look at the teams that are that are that are winless so far. The Kings, the Thunder, and the Magic. Well, you expect that, but the Lakers zero oh and three. I don't think they're that talented. You got two guys who are really talented, but injury and getting a little older. Although LeBron's still great, Westbrook, it's just not working. Out oh for eleven the other day, ill-advised shot on Sunday. I mean, they're not that talented. They have no, they have no shooters on that team. You know, the I'm, I'm looking at. Oh, okay, this is. Uh, I'm looking at something else, but their losses. Have they been close losses for yeah. the Lakers, or are they getting blown out? No, they had, they had one of their games, I think, was kind of a blowout, but they lost to Portland by by one or two the other day, or two. Yeah. LeBron took a shot at the buzzer. They lost to the Clippers by only a few points. They do have Denver and Minnesota on the road this week. I think they're going to be 0-5. Wow. That seems – I wonder if fans start to – and I don't know what Lakers fans are thinking, but if Lakers fans start to kind of turn on LeBron – have they, have they accepted LeBron as a true Laker? Whereas in the beginning they didn't because of the whole Kobe against LeBron. And it was like, hey, this is Kobe. even though Kobe's not even here, even after Kobe passed away, it's still Kobe's team. What are you doing, LeBron? I wonder if Lakers feel that way. Now that he can't help them, I'm, now that he can't help them, I'm wondering if they're like, they, they, they kind of turn on him. It could get pretty ugly. Yes, I think you're right. I think it's going to happen. Top stories coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Top stories with the sports animals on ESPN Honolulu. All right. Thank you, Mackie. The Bears demolished the Patriots. Is this the end of the Bill Belichick era? Maybe after 24 more wins, so he becomes the all-time winning as coach. Uh, but I think this team is not a playoff team. I think that's been obvious for a while and even more obvious last night. 24 more wins? Yeah. At, the, at, at this point, that's going to take about that's going to take about five years. At this point, <laughs> hey, by the way, Jelani Tavai had a good game, five tackles last night. Quarterback hit as well. He's starting, so yeah, it's really good. How sort of, you know, Bill Belichick talked about him the other day, saying we were going to draft him in the second round, but Detroit beat us to him. He goes, but well, we always get our guy. Well, not always, but usually. But they really wanted him, but Detroit beat him to that. That's really a good compliment about how they really wanted Jelani. Yeah, until he makes some kind of mistake, a missed tackle for a touchdown, then you're off the team. Yeah. What was that guy's name, the, the running back that fumbled? Yeah, oh, boy. Covington? No. No, it wasn't Covington. Anyway, McCovey. McCovey, I think. Anyway, the, okay, so there's a, a handoff, and I didn't stick around in the game to watch um, all of it just because I'm still working. Um, but 
the guy, it was a bad handoff. The quarterback, I think it was Zappy, yeah, it was Zappy, that he went to hand off the ball. Instead of sticking it into his gut, he kind of stuck it into his shoulder. And, you know, so the ball goes goes to the ground. Chicago recovers the fumble. And I'm wondering, okay, is that guy going to be on the team? Or maybe he'll be on the team, but you never see him play again. That's so Bill Belichick. They had the guy a few years ago, I thought you were talking about, who had a really good game that he was late for a practice, and he never played for them again. He got cut, like, that week. Yeah, that was that, that was like yeah, that was that was oh gosh, that was about five, six, seven yeah. years ago now. But the, yeah, that was a well documented story about um, yeah about Bill Belichick and uh, how he just can't stand mistakes. And, you know, coaches will be like that. Coaches will be like that. As far as New England, you know, when you let up thirty three points to this Bears team, that is not that good offensively. It wasn't just that you lost; you lost really bad. You didn't score in the second half. You have two quarterbacks. None of them are getting the job done. And I, I, I don't think Mac Jones is going to be their answer, although, you know, he's still kind of you know, coming back from that injury, of course. But you got beat at home by a team that is, again, really limited offensively. And even though Justin Field didn't exactly light it up, he did run oh, the ball. I thought well, he lit it up. I mean, I thought he had a really good game. But lighting it up, 179 yards passing, I don't think – you know, I don't think there were too many highlights of his passing. His more, I think he's more, um, he's more, uh, oh, actually he had a real nice throw downfield, a big chunk yardage. I can't remember what who it was to. Oh, to, uh, is it Mooney? There's a there's a receiver that's, um, that's underrated uh, for Chicago. But uh, Justin Fields is, yeah, I mean, he, he's running the ball. He's throwing the ball. He looked like. He looked like a legit NFL quarterback. And I wonder if it was just because the Patriots were just miscombobulated or if it's Justin Fields is actually getting better under Matt Eberflus. It could be I hope it's the latter. I hope it's the latter. I root for the guy. 82 yards rushing. Yeah, he really ran the ball well. But passing-wise, no, I don't look at that as that is a really good game at all. And, again, it just didn't seem like – he did anything exceptional. Although maybe he's getting better. And, again, the offensive line isn't much better than last year by all reports. Coaching changes. He's better than his numbers show. As I said earlier, I really do feel that way. Yeah. But this is not a good football team right now. You lost to Washington the week before at home. And they're not going anywhere, although with the NFL this year, maybe they are if they're right around 500. But no, doing- I, they're not winning the Super Bowl. That's not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is Justin Fields – is improving as the season goes on. You can look it up, and it's documented as far as completion percentage and less mistakes and things like that. Watching the eyeball test last night, he looked very comfortable, and it was especially on third down. I mean, part of it is, Belichick, what are you thinking? You're the defensive guru. It's third down, third and long. He's going to run the ball, and they kept giving up first down after first down after first down after first down. But his imp- his passing did improve overall and has been getting better. Look, he's got like five touchdowns, six interceptions. He was one and one yesterday, but he was his he passed. He had more completion. He's better than fifty percent or whatever he's you know his completion uh, rate is for the year. He was better last night, and that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm sure. saying is he had a better game. It was hard not to be a better game, but yeah, he he's getting better. And it's not like I'm against the guy. I just look at the numbers and watch these games and just realize. And I don't put it all on him. Again, he was that good in college where it's not like he's a total flop in the NFL. It's the team around him. 
it's management around him. But yeah. the, again, just just the, to me, the passing numbers don't exactly you know excite me. Or I'm not sure how the Bears fans feel about the passing numbers, but rushing numbers, yeah, it's really good. Uh, you know, thirteen is due for about sixty-five percent completions, um, almost two hundred yards. You know, instead of the eighty-two yards rushing, if it was all on passing, you'd say that was a pretty good game by Justin Fields. He yeah. got it done with his feet and his arm. That's what I like about it. I'd, I'd rather see a I'd rather see a uh, well balanced quarterback, and that's really what they're looking for in today. Most people in today's NFL is your Justin Fields. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen type of guy. You're looking for a quarterback who can run the ball. Look at how Marcus Mariota has evolved now that he's with the Falcons. He looks like the quarterback from Oregon because he's taken in running the ball. It's how the NFL is changing. That's the run- what they're looking for. The running they're part, not looking yeah, but- for Mac Jones. The running part, yeah, but I, I would never include Justin Fields in the same conversation as Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen. No, but what I'm getting at, what I'm getting at, Gary, is if you listen closely, I'm getting at this is the type of quarterback that the that coaches are looking for, a guy who can run and throw. They don't want, they don't want. um, (laughs) I'm trying to think of an example. They don't want want Frank Frank Druckenmiller. What? They don't want Matt Ryan. They don't want a Matt Ryan. That's fair. That's fair. I, I get. Yeah, it. that's all I'm saying. That's okay. all I'm saying. Okay. He's the type of quarterback they want, and, and he's improving. I like it. All right, other headlines. Uh, University of Hawaii football is back at home at T.C. Ching Complex, facing a 5-3 and three or 3-1 three and one in Mountain West play uh, team in the Wyoming uh, Cowboys, playing for the Paniolo Trophy this Saturday. They are trying to be bowl eligible this early in the season. Again, they're doing a good job in the Mountain West overall, and their running game is what really concerns me, and I imagine it concerns Hawaii, 330 yards last week in running. Uh, their running back, I believe, was Mountain West Player of the Week, Offensive Player of the Week. They they got some talent there, and uh, it's not going to be an easy game. This will be the best team we played in the last month. Yeah. You look at New Mexico State out of conference, and then the three Mountain West teams Hawaii has played. Well, This will be if, definitely if, the better if, team. Duquesne, New Mexico State, San Diego State, Nevada, and Colorado. I mean, that was a that was a that was a stretch that I wish we would have won, and we could have won all of those games. They were that close in that span. I mean, the last three opponents Hawaii has played, we've held them to 17 points or less. We were averaging 49 points or more before that, so. I mean, again, not who you play, how you play, but how you play. If you can, if you can hold Wyoming to seventeen points or less, yeah. then you're in the game. If Hawaii's defense continues to play the way that they're playing, I mean, we're playing winning defense. If Hawaii's offense, who's given up one sack in the last three games, if Hawaii's offense can play like they played in the last three games, Hawaii's got a real chance. Now, I'm not saying I think Hawaii can win based on this. What I'm saying is, well, I guess I am saying that. Hawaii can win this game if they do that. They have to hold these guys to 17 points, not give up sacks, continue to play defense the way that they can uh, continue to play. And Dedrick Parsons has a Dedrick Parsons day. Parsons day. So if you can do that, those four things, those are your keys to victory. Those are your four things. Hawaii will be in it till the end. They'll be in this game against Wyoming. 
I'm not saying just on paper, well, look, Hawaii's getting better. I think we could win this game because this team's good. No, I'm saying run the uh, you know, defense play like you've been playing, offensive line, don't give up any sacks. Dedrick Parsons, you go out and be Dedrick Parsons. And then, um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Those three things. Because the defense playing well and being held under 17 points is kind of the same thing. They have to do a better job against the run, and they did do a good job against Nevada and San Diego State. But look at last week, 220 yards led up against a team that averages 76.5 yards a game. And then with Wyoming's running game, that's going to be a big challenge on Saturday, stopping their running. Yeah. Hey, uh, folks, you can uh, uh, text or call in at 808-296-1420. Talking about the Chicago Bears, I was wondering, I didn't see the interception that uh, fields through for the Bears. Uh, thank you for the text. It says his interception came off a ball. He threw the ball. Oh, and it bounced off a lineman's helmet. Ouch. Who do you put that on? It's still on the quarterback, I would think, right? Yeah, but if you get going to judge whose fault is that everybody is judged on how many interceptions they throw as far as preparing, right. and they're yeah. all on the quarterback. I don't think so. I think if a ball goes right through this, somebody's hand, bounces off of their chest, into a into a, a guy i don't put that on the quarterback at all what else can you do but throw it to his numbers that's not on the quarterback so not all not all interceptions are on the quarterback i, I think i think when you're comparing though you're not going to say well this guy has five interceptions this guy has ten but the, you go by the numbers of the interceptions and that's you know you are what your numbers show as some people well that's say. how stat readers do it and that's great uh here's one lol chris is drunk all right <laughs> you're saying that's a bad thing <laughs> oh here's another one chris are you okay you're not smashing against my bears today no i got nothing but bear love i got nothing but bear love today look for the bear necessities the simple bear necessities. Let's see if they come back down to earth Forget on Sunday. about your worries and your strife i mean the Bare necessities, it's Mother Nature's recipe. So you are drunk. Bare necessities. <laughs> <laughs> Don't they tell you in radio school not to sing on the radio? I think they do. Or they just told me, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and quarter, after, you. quarter after seven. We haven't even finished our top stories yet. Let's get you ready for the Major League Baseball. Let's get ready for uh, DeKine. It's uh, the World Series coming up Friday here on ESPN Honolulu. Gary Dickman's got your preview coming up next. Last night I dreamt I was returning. And my heart called out to you. But I All right, somebody texted in. They said, what, no more buy or sell? Yeah, we haven't done buy or sell. Uh, but, okay, since it's by request, uh, let's play can, no can. All right? So this is a this is a new feature called, hey, if can, can, no can, no can. Right? I like. All right. Tanner Hayworth, you play the part of Chris Hart. I'll try my so best. You, you'll probably be right. Try your worst and be better off. Uh, Gary Dickman, you play yourself. Can, no can. Bill Belichick's coaching career is headed down the drain. He will not win the most victories of all time. Can. He's going to hang up. They're not going to fire him. 
And if he liked, he's going to get those 24 wins. It might take him three more seasons. But uh, it's going down the drain in a way, but he will get those 24 wins. So can. I'm going to go no can. I don't see what Bill can do to make this team better. Mac Jones ain't that guy. Bailey Zappi ain't that guy. And unless they somehow draft a generational talent on defense, that defense really hasn't been the same since guys like Dante Hightower, Devin McCourty were in their primes. And they had cornerbacks like J.C. Jackson, uh, Malcolm Butler when he was good. I just don't see much talent for this team. I think it's going to be all losing seasons until Bill retires. Much, much better thought out by Tanner Hayworth on that one. Than Chris Hart usually does. I agree. Oh, sorry, my bad. I was supposed to be Chris there. That's right. Come on, Tanner. <laughs> the whole thing up. <laughs> and you say, no, if you're me, you say, what was the question? <laughs> yeah. What was the question again? I can't make up my mind. I'm on the fence. <laughs> All right. Jim, Jim Nance has announced that he is calling his last NCAA men's basketball tournament. Buy or sell. Fans <laughs> probably don't really care. You mean can or no can? <laughs> yeah. Can or no can. <laughs> I don't know. In the long run, fans aren't going to care. I, I say can, because I agree. No, the fans really don't care who the announcer is. He'll still give out the trophy. He's got that deal there, but uh, I don't think the fans will care. He is really good. I like him. But after a while, fans won't care who's calling it. Uh, it's just the announcers. It's the game you tune in for, so can. I'll go no can then, because I think, you know, a lot of the announcers that we grow up with, you know, because I'm a, I'm a child, so I've pretty much grown up on Jim Nance. I think it's going to be different. I believe in Ian Eagle. It's going to be a different broadcast. I think people will care, but it won't stop them from watching March Madness. I guess I love Ian Eagle. I love Ian Eagle because he's one of those rare guys that can do radio and television, and he's at the top of the game on both. It's very different in um, in the uh, in, in broadcasting. If you broadcast a radio game, like listen to. Who's the who's our Monday Night Football guy? Monday Night Football? Yeah, Monday Night Football radio guy on our radio station. Oh, Kevin Harlan. Kevin Harlan. Listen to on Kevin Westwood Harlan. Yeah. Kevin Harlan on our radio station is excellent. Award-winning guy. Award after award, the way he describes a game on the radio. If he's doing television, he's not going to say, shotgun snap, belt high, left-handed throw to the numbers on the far side of the side we can see all that but he still has some of the best calls even when he is on tv i will say right that's what i'm saying is he's great on tv and radio that's hard to find mike tarico i think is great on television i haven't heard him in a in a long time I, I know he's done some radio in the past but anyway so our last one we were talking about the Hawaii-Wyoming football game earlier. If Hawaii's defense plays like it has the last three games, if um, if the um, the offensive line holds up, basically those two things, and Dedrick Parsons plays like Dedrick Parsons, can, no can, Hawaii's going to beat Wyoming at home. Can. Can. I think if those things happen, yes. And I think this team is getting better, even though a couple of losses, real close losses, this team has shown improvement. And I think at home, they're going to take that trophy and keep it right here. 
on campus. So can. I'm going to say can, but. Can, but. Can, but. Can, but. No buts and can. I think there is a lot. All of that is true. But I think we're leaving out one very important factor because Wyoming knows what our strength is. It's running the ball. If they could stop the ball, yeah, Parsons have a good day. They're going to force Braden Shager to th- Braden Shager to throw. We're going to need a good performance from Braden Shager to beat the Wyoming Cowboys. And not like a 300-yard, six-touchdown performance. Right. We can't have a performance like he did against Colorado State where, yes, he didn't get the opportunity to throw the ball a lot in the second half, but with his limited opportunities that he do- that he has – or if he will have those limited opportunities, he needs to be 100% that guy in the second half and can't be throwing, you know, interceptions, can't be throwing the ball into the ground or over the heads of guys. So I think there's a lot of factors. All of those need to happen, and Braden Shager needs to be that guy on Saturday. Very well thought out, thought out very articulate. One day soon... The two of us will be working for Tanner Hayworth. <laughs> really? I didn't even take into account Braden Shager. Well, I mean, Braden Shager looked good in the first half, and look how he did in the second half. Is some of that on coaches, too? The coaches got to call better calls? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. But two games in a row, they ha- they've only passed the ball ten times and six times in the last two games in the second half. So, I mean, it's hard to – you know, have good numbers when you're not passing the ball that much. And in the first game, he was like, what, two of six or three of six against Nevada in the second half. I believe last Saturday he was four of ten. Not a great percentage. And, again, when you're leading the game, maybe you just wanted to keep running the ball and maybe limit turnovers, run the clock down a little bit. But he hasn't really had an opportunity to throw much in the second half. I agree, the first half, he has looked good. And the first drives of the game, remember, there was a number of years where Hawaii would never start out strong and always be trailing after the first quarter. That was going on for a number of years now, in recent games at least. It seems like we're starting strong. He's got to play a full four quarters and finish strong as well. Happened against Nevada, didn't happen against San Diego State or Colorado State, unfortunately. And I think mm-hmm. we put a lot of blame, you know, I will say, I did put a lot of blame on Braden there. There's a lot of issues that happen in the second half, and it's a very common theme with Hawaii football teams, you can go look at Todd Graham's uh, two years. You can look at Nick Rolovich. There's something about the third quarter for these recent Hawaii football teams that they just can't figure it out. And it's not just Timmy Changs. We've seen it a, a lot where teams will start to get back on Hawaii even though we build this like what seems like an insurmountable lead. Uh-huh. Teams always seem to come back in the second half to make it a little bit interesting. I think the one game I can remember most is uh, with Nick Rolovich back in 2018. I think it was against Navy where we had like three long ball touchdowns. It looked like the game was pretty much it. And then all of a sudden Navy was starting to make a comeback and it's like, okay, we got to get back into it. Fourth quarter happens and then Hawaii wins the game. It's something about those second half adjustments where Hawaii teams just seem to falter. Hmm. Interesting. Was basketball like that too? No. You know, coming out in the second half, there were games where Hawaii actually really started off strong in the second half. They was they had a hard time at times closing out teams. 
where they might have an oh. eight, nine-point lead, and some teams would come back and make it really, really close. I think it changed a little bit last year, and that really good stretch in the beginning in the middle of conference play. But towards the end, they weren't able to close a couple of teams out, like Santa Barbara. And, well, Irvine was beating them from the get-go on that road game last year, but it can happen. It's, I mean, that's what, I think that's the key for almost any team. you got to play a full four quarters, full 40 minutes in basketball. And if you can be consistent – you're going to have a much better chance if you're a good team. But if you can't hold on to a lead for whatever the reasons are, then it's going to cause problems, and that happens to a number of teams. All right. And um, somebody texted in. This is a great text. We have a guest coming up. We're going to get into some more college football, and I guess we have some sports betting with uh, Nick Bromberg. That's coming up in a minute. And then I want to, I want to address this text. I was talking about uh, the quarterback, today's NFL quarterback. You know, they'd like a guy who can run and throw. If you've got 179 yards passing and 82 yards rushing, that's kind of today's quarterback. Now, the texter sends in a text, and sa- and thank you for this, says, Chris, seven several years ago, there was a Sports Illustrated cover with Colin Kaepernick, RG3, and another dual-threat quarterback. The lead story was about how a new age of running quarterbacks and the death of the pure passer. However... Since then, it seems that most of the Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks weren't dual-threat quarterbacks. It was uh, folks who make good decisions, accurate passing, and it was more important than being a dual-threat. I want to uh, address that coming up. It's very interesting. Uh, But right now, college football is coming up next. Tomorrow at 8 o'clock, it's the Rivals Fantasy Football Show, brought to you by Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge in the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. Who is our special uh, expert guest going to be? We will have Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News on tomorrow. And we have some NFL memorabilia to give away. We're going to give out a Josh Jacobs authentic autograph photo, 11 by 14. All right, autograph uh, Josh Jacobs. Hey, Raiders fans, be listening tomorrow, 8 o'clock here on ESPN Honolulu. College football really heating up. In fact, next week we'll have the first college football playoff ranking. So we're going to get more into college football as we are joined by a man who covers college football for Yahoo Sports, also sports betting, and a big Bruce Springsteen fan like I am. Nick Bromberg joins us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. Nick, good to talk to you again. And let's talk about college football first, where the rankings will come out next week, and it's only the first, and we know how they'll change. As of today, who would be your top four teams? Uh, So, you know, before last week, we did our first set of bowl projections, and I think I think ultimately Tennessee's probably going to end up in the top four. I didn't have Tennessee in the college football playoff at the moment. I had Michigan beating Tennessee out for the for the number four spot. But I think right now the question is, you know, where does – I think the top two are pretty clearly defined. You've got Georgia's going to be there. Ohio State's going to be there. I, I think you're looking at probably Tennessee, number three, and then – in some order, four or five, Michigan and Clemson. It wouldn't surprise, surprise me if Michigan's at number four, Clemson's at number five, vice versa. Uh, what I do think is, is going to be 
interesting as we go through the last half of the football season, basically, is, you know, we're setting up a scenario here where you could easily, let's just take the SEC, for example, um, have an 11-1 Alabama team facing a 12-0 Georgia team in the SEC title game. That Alabama team beats the Georgia team, similar to what we saw a year ago, and you could end up with 12-1 Alabama, 12-1 Georgia, and then an 11-1 Tennessee team sitting on the sidelines that took down the Alabama team. I think that could be absolutely fascinating, and then a similar situation potentially also in the Big Ten with Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah, the SEC one is interesting because, I mean, Alabama, again, they have to win out. I think we can all agree two losses they'll never get in. They, with two losses, they probably wouldn't even get into the SEC championship game. But the fact that Tennessee beat them you don't think would be enough if they all have one loss at the end to get Tennessee and over Bama. That's the thing. Like, I think I think you have to – if Alabama's 12-1 and one and they've won the SEC title game, they're in. So then it would come down to, you know, is Georgia at 12-1? and one, They've already beat Tennessee. Does Tennessee end up being the odd person out in that scenario? I can see it happening simply because Alabama would have the SEC championship game. And, you know, I think it's an absolutely fascinating discussion right now when you look out west with Oregon. Um, I mean, playing just fantastic football. Bo Nix has been phenomenal lately. And this is a team that has improved a ton – over the course of the 2022 season, and how do you view, without Oregon's improvement, how do you view that, the context of of the Georgia loss, the blowout in week one? And then also the Michigan team, too, which is playing really pretty good football, but at the same time, this is a Michigan team that it's had just an absolutely putrid non-conference schedule. And we've we've seen the College Football Playoff Committee really take that into consideration and so that could really be something that hurts Michigan if it ends up in a situation where it's compared to say you know a Tennessee at the end of the season. Nick Bromberg from Yahoo Sports joining us here on ESPN Honolulu 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. You can check out Nick on Twitter at Nick Bromberg. So would you say that for the, let's say Oregon as an example, the fact that they lost their first game of the year, and if they do win out and win the Pac-12 championship with one loss because it was a Georgia, would maybe have a better chance of getting in as far as to be compared to the loser of Ohio State and Michigan? Potentially. I think so. And I think because what we've seen from the committee is, at least in previous seasons, there has not been – they say, they say the committee says every week that they start from scratch. They don't go off of last week's rankings that they start over again. And they have noted improvement in past seasons. Whoever is talking on the ESPN playoff show on the committee's behalf has talked about teams' improvement over the course of the season. And I think Oregon, if it continues on the path that it is on right now, deserves to be that team that you can, you know, let's wipe out week one and say, hey, look, this is a team that really did get better. And I think, you know, an Oregon team, for example, you're right. If they're 12-1 and one, you're facing an 11-1 and one Michigan, or even just a Michigan one loss at the Big Ten champion, how much – it's a fascinating discussion to me. Is You look at a team who's gotten better over the course of the season like Oregon or a team like Michigan who really didn't play anybody in the non-conference mm-hmm. schedule. All, all of Michigan's games, though, too, I think, which is a good argument by Michigan fans, would be, well, all of our games were at the first beginning of the season. We've seen how we've gotten better over the course of Big Ten play. Why shouldn't the same standard that Oregon would be being judged on in that case of improving over the course of the season be applied to us? I think that would be very fascinating. But at the same time, we have seen, at least in previous years, just how much weight the committee does, does put to non-conference scheduling. And so that's definitely something that is, you know, in, in some sort of context, I think will end up hurting Michigan. 
One conference we haven't mentioned, I think it should be discussed, is the Big 12. Let's say TCU wins out. They're undefeated right now. If they win the Big 12 championship as an undefeated team, can they somehow get in? I think they're in, too. I think they're probably number six, I think, on, on Tuesday, as, as long as they keep winning. They beat West Virginia this weekend, and with status quo, I, I will say this. I'm going to put out a word of warning to people this weekend. This is, this is a weekend that does not look very good on paper. And it seems like whenever we have one of those weekends that doesn't look very good on paper, something crazy always happens. So uh, just just keep that in mind as you watch football on Saturday. Uh, but this is a TCU team. I think you know they've done a fantastic job the last two weeks coming back against Oklahoma State and Kansas State. Um, they've also gotten some really pretty good quarterback luck, and I don't know how if that's going to keep up. I'm not trying to take away anything from TCU's undefeated start. But this is a team that Dylan Gabriel for Oklahoma got hurt early in the game with that concussion, that right. nasty concussion in the blowout win. Kansas State was down to its third-string quarterback last week. Spencer Sanders was banged up. And then there's also, I am forgetting, a fourth scenario where TCU uh, faced a backup quarterback earlier in the season in the Big 12. So it, there's been four times where TCU has either faced a dinged-up starting quarterback or, or played a team's backup quarterback. But no matter what, if TCU continues this run, I think they're basically probably two games away based on how they have the tiebreakers on both Kansas State and Oklahoma State. They are looking fantastic to, to make it to the Big 12 title game. And even if the Big 12 is going to ultimately end up on the periphery of, of the college football playoff discussion, I don't want it to get ignored because I think right now from top to bottom, it is the most fun conference in college football. It is definitely a lot of fun. We're talking college football with Nick Bromberg from Yahoo Sports on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. Nick also covers sports betting, and I want to ask your opinion as far as the Heisman is concerned right now. I know there's a campaign for Tennessee's quarterback, as some are calling him Heisman Hooker. Uh, had a great game against Alabama. Who would be your betting favorite, the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman right now or the top two? You know, I, I right now at BetMGM, uh, CJ Stroud's actually at minus one twenty-five. He's better than lower than even money to win the Heisman. Hooker is the number two favorite. I think if you're in a situation where you're staring at uh, potentially seeing Bryce Young, I've seen him at even as high as thirty to one, twenty to one. I think Bryce Young right there is fantastic value, and, and I know there's a lot of things working against Bryce Young. He missed a game already this season with the shoulder injury. We have not had a repeat Heisman winner since Archie Griffith in the 1970s. But, you know, the Heisman talk around Hinton Hooker just exploded after the win over Alabama, understandably. He was not the best quarterback in the game. That's not taking anything away from his performance. He played well. Bryce Young was absolutely otherworldly and phenomenal for anybody who watched that game. He single-handedly kept the Crimson Tide in it. If Young keeps playing well over the rest of the season and has a game like he did last year against Georgia or even in a rematch against Tennessee in the SEC title game and Alabama wins the SEC championship and finishes 12 and one and Bryce Young plays well against Auburn and plays well again against whoever they play in the SEC title game. Bryce Young is going to be back in New York. I would definitely be buying low on Bryce Young given his odds right now, because I think he is by far the best value on the board, even if I do think that you know Stroud at less than even money is, is the right favorite at the moment. Kind of fun that it's not decided like most years until somebody maybe has an off game or somebody has a great game in November. So it's going to be fun to follow the Heisman race as well as the playoff race as well. Nick, thanks for spending a few minutes with us talking college football and a little bit on the sports betting side. Thanks again. We'll talk again soon.
Sounds great. Thanks for having me. All right. Nick Bromberg from Yahoo Sports joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. At Aloha Kia, you know a guy. All righty then. Coming, you're looking at, um, you know, you're talking about quarterbacks uh, with Nick there. And, you know, I'm pulling up early season rankings at every position for the 2023 draft. So this is for the draft um, coming up in April. Number one, and this this came out, oh, I don't know, this came out a few months ago. I guess when college football started, okay. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was, what, is that a few months ago already? August 27th. So yeah, a few months, it was. Yes. Uh, Bryce Young is number one on the list. Number two, C.J. Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback. Number three, third best guy, could be a first-rounder, Tyler Van Dyke, Miami. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Number four, Anthony Richardson, Florida. (laughs) Number five, I don't even know how to say it. Is it Will Levis, Kentucky? Kentucky. He's good, but not a Heisman guy. No, I'm not talking about Heisman. I'm talking about the draft. Oh, for the draft. As I just said. Uh, Number six. Jaron Hall, BYU. I thought he'd be a guy that's up there too, but BYU's not doing very well. I don't know if it's him or not. Number seven, Tanner McKee, Stanford. You ever heard of that guy? The name like Tanner, it can't be too good. (laughs) Uh, Number eight, Devin Leary, North Carolina State. Number nine, Phil Jerkovich, Boston College. Number 10, Hendon Hooker, Tennessee. When you're talking about the Heisman Trophy, though, the Heisman Trophy simply is going to go to the quarterback on whoever the best team is. For the most part, yes. That's how it works. That's how it works. Once in a while, you get a running back from Alabama. When's the last time you had a running back from Alabama win the Heisman? That won it. Hmm. I don't remember. Derrick Henry, okay. Derrick Henry, thank you, Tanner. Again, Tanner with the information us a couple of buffoons going uh, i don't know when you win it i don't know it's 746 with the sports animals you can join josh pacheco and arnold martinez uh they broadcast uh, da- countdown to kickoff live from select big city diners during the uh, away games for uh where you can enjoy mega modelos 25 ounce modelo drafts for just seven dollars you can also win great prizes and enter to win a trip for two to Las Vegas from Vacations, Hawaii. Coming up next, uh, I want to get into, okay, we'll get into that quarterback question we had earlier. Who? What is the future type quarterback in the NFL? That, how is the transfer portal treated the University of Hawaii football team? That and more all on the way on ESPN Honolulu. It's going to be mostly sunny today. We've got a few uh, scattered sprinkly dinklies, but overall a nice day. Nice trades going on here. Chris Hart and Gary Dickman with you. And uh, the Zephyr Insurance text line is open always at 808-296-1420. And we got a text earlier uh, if, you were, if you weren't listening. Because I, I was saying, 
you know, this uh, Justin Fields, a quarterback that can run and throw. Lamar Jackson, a quarterback that can run and throw. Josh Allen is a quarterback that can run and throw. I said, these are the, this, is the, this is what today's NFL quarterback is starting to look like. And somebody texted in with a great point. They said, but look at all the people who have won the Super Bowls. You know, the, the teams that have won the Super Bowls have had drop-back passer-type quarterbacks. I'm paraphrasing on the text. And you're right. You know, if you go back to, let's just go back to 2009, Pittsburgh wins. <laughs> There's something you can't say as a Jets fan, the Super Bowl. The uh, Steelers win with Ben Roethlisberger, right? Yes. The next year, the Saints win with Drew Brees. Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers. I don't. I vaguely don't even remember that Super Bowl. Steelers losing to the Packers. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, that's. Oh, right. I remember. We were great. at Giovanni Pastrami. Remember? Yeah. And Bob bet like uh, twenty thousand dollars on the game or something. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Giants with Eli Manning win the next year. Baltimore with uh, Joe Flacco. Um, beat Colin Kaepernick in uh, Super Bowl, whatever that was, in 2013. Seattle with Russell Wilson. There's one. You know who I haven't mentioned? Tom Brady. Oh, there he is. Patriots beat Seattle 28-24. Uh, wow, Seattle almost won two Super Bowls in a row. wasn't for a bad play call. They would have or should have. Denver. Wins the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. Philadelphia with Nick Foles. New England, Tom Brady. Uh, Tampa Bay, Tom Brady. Rams, Matthew Stafford. Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. I wouldn't call Patrick Mahomes a running quarterback, but he can't escape. Yeah. He yeah. can't escape. But uh, there you go. Uh, Texter was absolutely correct. When it comes to Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, they've still been drop back passing guys. But I still think... What people are looking, especially these younger coaches, right? They're looking for that Marcus Mariota guy who can who can give you 50, 60 yards a game. You know, if everyone had a choice of, say, just a drop-back passer or Lamar Jackson, I think they go with Lamar Jackson. It's just something that a defensive coordinator has to do extra preparation for. Look at Jalen Hurts, another example of that. And look how his career is going so far. People doubted yeah. him coming into the NFL right now. I mean, MVP candidate. Maybe they the doubted him MVP. last year. Not yeah. just coming into the NFL. They've doubted him. They doubted him in Alabama. They doubted him in Oklahoma. They doubted him uh, being drafted in the second round. Uh, they doubted Doug Peterson. He's been full of doubt. He's been taking receipts, and he's about to give them out. <laughs> Him and Robert, I love that. I love I that phrase. So, okay, so look at who's favored to win the Super Bowl this year. As of today? Yeah, who's, give, me, okay. give me five teams. Give me five uh, okay. teams in contention. You've Buffalo. Got, you've, right, Buffalo, running K quarterback. KC. Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes can run if he has to. Philadelphia. He's more of a drop-back guy. Philadelphia, running quarterback. Who else? Not Tampa Bay. No. Not the Colts. Not Green Bay. None of the Bays. Yeah. Uh, you know, all those, maybe those guys are kind of uh, dying off. Who else? Who, you, uh, who, else is a, who else is a favorite to go to the Super Bowl? Well, Who's the having a great year? 
the well, the New York Giants and the New York Jets are doing very well right now. Yes. Now those are more drop back. Well, Danny Dimes can run. Yeah, he ran good the other day. In fact, he can run. Yeah. Um, he's just known for that one where he, he tripped on the turf going for yes. a touchdown. Uh, that guy can run. The um, I don't know about Zach Wilson. I don't know no. if he ever gets. No. Well, they got another hurt offensive lineman, so we'll actually watch him run Not for the run year, around a little bit more. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, interesting. I wonder if it's – they said back then it was going to change and it didn't, looking at all the Super Bowl winners. But I wonder if now is the time. Maybe that Sports Illustrated article the texter talked about back then was a little just ahead of its time. I would put Cincinnati up there right now as one of the five teams where they've been playing late. Oh, the yeah. No drop-back passer. No drop-back passer. Wow. Proven wrong over and over again. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah. All right. right. Uh, coming up, we got our top stories. Also, I want to get into, um, I, 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 ha, as far as incoming players, how is the University of Hawaii football team doing with the transfer portal? Good, bad, eh? Talk about that. Coming up on ESPN Honolulu. Taco Tuesday with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Tanner Hayworth, the brains of the outfit, he's at the controls in the Paxa Studios downtown. Our top stories are coming up. This isn't a story, but I was doing a little thinking about University of Hawaii football last night. And I thought, you know, I was just looking down the roster for, I don't know, looking for something, for something, I don't know what. Just wandering around the ro- the roster is what I was doing. And we have got a lot of they're like 35, 34, something like that uh, players who came to Hawaii via the transfer portal from all over the country: Arkansas, Georgia, Oregon State, uh, smaller uh, colleges as well. And if you look at all 35, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 31, of the 31 transfer portal guys that we have, most, a lot were this year, some were even last year, contributors that came to us through the transfer portal, Noah Kamana, I think he came from Washington. I, I could have that wrong. Mackie Pay came from oh, Washington. Oh, Mackie Pay from Washington. Thank yeah. you. I don't remember where Kamana came from. Uh, Caleb Phillips came to us from Stanford. Austin Hopp. Eliki Tanuvasa. Malik Hausman. Hugh Nelson. Diedrich Parson. Mekki Pei. Verdell Edwards II. And Isaiah Tufanga. These guys all came through the transfer portal. And that's ten guys right there. Guys who contribute. Yeah. There are guys, but 21 have not. 21 guys, and I'm and Joey Yellen, I'm not adding him as a contributor because he didn't really, his play was not very good. So guys like no. Joey Yellen and guys like that, 21 guys did not. 
And I'm wondering, is a third of the guys that come through the transfer portal, is that good? Now, Hawaii's not winning a bunch of games. We're, what's our record, 2-5? 2-6. 2-6 now. We're two wins and six losses. So even though these guys are contributors, are they quality players? I'd have to say this about the, the, the defensive backs are. I really think Malik Hausman and Hugh Nelson, I mean, those guys are those guys are players. Definitely. Me- Mecky Pay? What? I, and Parson, of course, a big one from the year before. No, no, I I'm, talking about, I'm talking about defensive backs. Oh, okay. The defensive backs, for sure. Yeah, Parson, of course. He's a starting... He's a starting running back. But um, I don't know if that's a good number or not. And I didn't take the time to go down other people's rosters either. But I wonder, I don't know if that's a good number or not. I would say, hey, one out of three, is he going to be a contributor, good player? I'll take that. And even a starter. I mean, we've never seen transfer numbers like we're seeing nowadays, partly because of COVID and also when you have the new transfer rule where you don't have to sit out. You can transfer once without sitting out. That made a big difference. The transfer numbers skyrocketed. They've been going up and up anyway. But when you have that rule in play, that makes it so much easier. So I don't. We never again. No schools ever had the numbers like they're having now. Right. So, I mean, you got a, if you got a hundred guys in the team, how many guys dress for home games? You have eighty-five scholarship players. What do you got? About a hundred guys dressing. Usually around there, give the walk-ons and stuff. Yeah. So a very small percentage are starters, right? You got twenty-two guys that are starters. Maybe thirty guys are playing a lot in a game. So you have a third of the guys getting action. So a third of your start, a third of guys getting action came from the transfer portal. I would think that's pretty good, right? It is, but but and again, those numbers are. I mean, like four years ago, let's say when Rolo was coaching and they had some good years, you got a couple of transfer guys that maybe come in and contributed, but you're never going to have thirty guys or twenty something guys transfer back then because the right. rules are different. But what I think I'm, one out of three is a pretty good ratio. Right, that's what I'm, t- I'm talking about. The percentage, not the number here. I'm talking about the percentage of guys who see significant action for University of Hawaii football is thirty three percent. I think that would be good. I, and I know some people would still think, well, every time we get a good player, they're going to transfer out. But that's always been the case. If, if they want to transfer, they're going to transfer. Usually if you're starting, you might not transfer as much because people want to play more. Now, th- that's that, when I think you transfer the most. When players transfer up, that only started when you didn't have to sit out. That didn't happen before. If you had a really good player, they didn't say, well, you yeah. know what, I'll take that back. Braden Fehoko went from Texas Tech to LSU and sat out a year. Usually, uh, you don't when you transfer up. You, you usually you don't transfer up and have to sit out a year. Usually, now it's it's common practice in in basketball and in in football and all of the sports. Hey, you know what? I mean, you see, I saw it from a couple of guys from University of Hawaii basketball, right? coming in here yeah I mean, I mean you saw you saw a mass exodus of guys in the transfer portal from the football team many transferred up but it wasn't the reason they transferred right they didn't right. you know um seven cordero would be a hawaii would be hawaii's quarterback this year if the program wasn't such a mess he left because he got the heck out of dodge as soon as this stuff was happening you got san jose state coach uh what's his name brennan brennan yeah Brett Brennan flying over to Hawaii, knocking on his door. And I'm sure he had a little, a little NIL action going. 
Probably right? So, probably so. Yeah. So, anyway, it's uh, just interesting talk. Hey, really one of our top stories should be, uh, we should be getting you ready for the World Series, which starts on Friday here on ESPN Honolulu. Not the sexiest matchup, at least in, in, in my eyes, but, you know, you got the uh, up-and-coming Phillies and the, uh, my mind went blank, who are we, the Phillies The Houston playing? Astros. The Houston Astros, of course. They play in the World Series every year. Not one of the sexiest uh, ones. Uh, I would have much rather seen the Yankees and the Padres. But you got two teams that are H.O.T. hot. Yeah, the Astros are undefeated in the playoffs right now, 7-0. The Phillies have only lost a couple of games. They swept the Cardinals two out of three, so they won two. Lost game one to the Braves, won three in a row after that. Lost uh, one out of two to San Diego, the Phillies did, and then won the next three in Philadelphia. They are hot. It might not be the sexiest team because Philadelphia was the sixth seed overall, the last team to even qualify in the playoffs. But you got Bryce Harper, enough said. Like him or not, I know some people might not be fans because he's a little arrogant. I love him as a fan of baseball. Oh. Even though he's not on my team, he's a great, great player. Most he, most superstars, I take away guys like Mookie Betts and a few other, most of them seem to be a little arrogant. Yeah, sure. You got a little bit of that swagger. He was the MVP last year, and he got hurt this year, set out about a month. But look what he did in the playoffs. He's been on fire ever since they started against St. Louis. That's one of the reasons he was the MVP. I think a player to watch for Philadelphia, and it's kind of unusual what we're seeing on certain teams in these situations, a home run hitter never bats leadoff, usually. Kyle Schwarber led the NL in home runs this year. I think it was about 45. He might have hit 46. He hits about 220. But he's the leadoff batter for the Phillies. Aaron Judge for the Yankees batted second most of the season. That's something we've never seen before with maybe analytics taking over. But Kyle Schwarber, he hit a big home run on Friday against the Padres. That's never made sense to me. You have a certain guy batting leadoff because you want him to get on base. And then the better hitter, after a couple of people are on base, they hit the home run. And then you score a lot. But how often does that happen? Once a game? But it's, it's a theory that if you have your power hitter batting fourth and the guys in front of him get on base, you have a better chance to get multiple runs in that That's sequence. what I just You're said. Right, I though. understand yeah. that. But how many times a game does that happen? Once. Not a lot, but more often than if you I – mean, you're gonna usually I would think the analytics would show you to get more run production that way as opposed to batting a Kyle Schwarber or an Iron Judge first or second. In the Yankees' case, and we asked somebody about it in the middle of the season, well, you had Stanton after him, a couple of other big hitters, that you still have some power hitters in that lineup. Uh, right. but, and Stanton but was why, hurt a lot. Why isn't the best guy batting eighth? Because sometime in that game, the – the fifth, sixth, and seventh batters are going to be up first. And then in comes the eighth guy to hit them all home. Why does it have to be the one guy in the beginning? I guess because that's a constant. Yeah, That's a constant that you're always going to have that situation at least once. You might not have a situation where the eighth batter is batting cleanup. I'm guessing that's why. I think I answered my own question. I think it was Tony La Russa back when he was with the Cardinals. Maybe he used to bat at time the pitcher eighth and the worst hitter ninth. That, because he wanted to maybe, if you have a decent hitter up as opposed to the pitcher at nine, the leadoff batter is next. Now, not the beginning of the game, but once the lineup goes through, if right. you can get the number eight hitter batting ninth, maybe get it on base, then your best average hitter batting number one has a chance to maybe do some damage there as opposed to following the pitcher who normally makes an out. Things have All changed right. in baseball. All right, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's look to the World Series. Break it down. What are we looking at here? Game one. Well, Justin Verland is going to get the start. I think he was 18-4 and four this year, had a little bit of an injury deal, but he was one of the best pitchers. He, he should win the Cy Young. 
And, you know, he sat out last year. He's going to get comeback player of the year, of course, as well. This guy is just – he's got playoff experience. He's pretty much lights out. I think you got to go with him. For the Phillies, again, the fact that both teams clinched on Sunday, you're going to set your rotation. So I don't know if Zach Wheeler is going to get the start or Nola or Suarez. One of those three will get the start for the Phillies. I think the one thing about the Astros, not only Justin Verlander, Valdez is their number two starter. McCullers did a good job on Sunday. You got a good bullpen. Look what they did to the Yankees lineup. Now, we know the Yankees have Aaron Judge, who hit below 100 in that playoff series. They were held to three hits on Saturday. Two of them were in the ninth inning. The Astros pitching which doesn't get enough credit to me at least, was one of the bigger reasons why they shut out the Yankees. Well, not shut out, but beat him four straight. We know about the bats, and it's not just Altuve who had a kind of quiet series. They got Alvarez. They got Bregman. They've got so many bats there. They don't have a weakness. By the trade deadline, they picked up Troy Mancini, the cancer survivor from Baltimore, good outfielder, pinch hitter, and Maldonado, the catcher from the Red Sox. He might be a rented player because he's a free agent, but you got a little bit more offense there. They just have so many weapons. I think they are the better team, and Vegas thinks they're the better team. Phillies, though, again, with Bryce Harper, Schwarber, and some of the other guys, Reese Hopkins starting to hit for some power, their offense really came alive. I don't think they have the same kind of bullpen as the Astros do with their closer, uh, Ryan Presley, but I think the Astros starting pitching closing and the, the hitting is just going to be too much for the Phillies. I do think the Phillies coming in this hot with their bats are going to make it interesting, but I think the Astros will win in six. They just they just they don't have a weakness. They just don't have a weakness. And the Phillies are kind of a feel-good story, firing their manager in April, and now they were almost out of the playoffs, and now they're in the World Series. Uh, it's, it's, it is a great story, and they do have a team that is playing really hot. I just don't trust their bullpen as far as comparing them to the Astros' bullpen. Look at the 18-inning game against Seattle for the Astros in Game 3. I mean, you got to give Seattle credit. They only let up one run. The, the, the Astros' starting pitching and bullpen did a great job. And, they, again, just no weakness on this team. They are the stronger team. That's why they have the best record in the AL. And you can say they used to cheat. Okay, they used to. I don't think they're cheating now. They just have a lot of talent, and they probably have an edge in manager with Dusty Baker has been there and done that so many times. Excellent. Thank you very much. We look forward to the World Series kicking off again. Uh, well, it doesn't kick off. What does the World Series do? The World Series starts. Eh, I was looking for something a little more creative. Gets underway. Gets underway. Uh, no, a little more creative. The, the football game kicks off at a certain time. A baseball game pitches off Friday afternoon here on ESPN <laughs> okay. Honolulu. And uh, all right, we'll be right back on uh, ESPN Honolulu. A lot more to go over, including uh, the most annoying things people say. That's on the way on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, Coach Laura Beeman's going to join us in 15 minutes here on ESPN Honolulu. And Rainbow Wahine Basketball, they'll have their first exhibition game next Tuesday, a week from today, right mm-hmm. around the corner. The regular season will start in less than two weeks for them. Hey, what are the most annoying thing people say? What, what's, what's an annoying thing that you hear people say? Whatever. 
I hate that because you, you're having a discussion with somebody, you're probably in a disagreement or a debate, and their response is, what? I don't people say that all the time to me. Whatever. So it's a noncommittal answer. They're not admitting fault. They're not admitting they're right or wrong. They're just trying to, I don't know, I just that's always bothered could it, me. Could it be that you, you keep going on and on and on, and they just want to get out of the argument already? No, that's you. Could that uh, be? Could that be? The, could it's that not be always the, an argument. Tanner, what's Tanner? What's one of the uh, an annoying thing that people say to you? That's a great question. Can I pick just one thing? I think there's too many things that get said to me that I Give me can't a think of. Give me a couple. Um, or do you want me to come back? I'll get back to you on that. That can okay. be one of those things. I will say that's one of those things, and I'm saying it to you as well. Yeah, there's a Reddit subgroup. In Reddit, they answer the question. This is the most uh, thousands and thousands of submission. They whittled down to 75 of the most eye-rolling phrases. Here's one. Let's agree to disagree. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, let's see. No offense, but then they go on to offend you, right? No offense, but here's one. I don't hear that much, but now that I'm saying it, people will probably use it more. Here's the deal. <laughs> here's the deal. Uh, let's see, flight attendants uh, and um, waiters and wait servers. This is something that they hear all the time. Do you know who I am? Yeah. <laughs> That's what Gary says throughout the airports all the time. It's oh, really yeah. embarrassing being with him. Uh, let's see, there's also, we're throwing a gender reveal party. Uh, oh, here's one, here's one. Welcome to my world. Right. Very annoying, according to this uh, survey. A gender release party? Is that something that annoys people? Wow. I, I think just the whole idea of a gender release party. Uh, another another excuse to bring presents. Mm. Okay, here, here's one. This is my truth. I don't wow. hear that one that often, uh, but maybe that's that. a thing on the mainline. But you know, you know what I you know what I my my most annoying thing is. It is what it is. Oh come on! That's Max Holloway. It is what it's what everybody. It is what it is. Okay, what do you got, Tanner? Oh, Tanner doesn't want to participate. Harold is on the line. Hello, Harold. Hey, good morning. I got one for you. Hello. Delay, 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 good delay. Hey, Harold, how's it going? Good, good. I, I get one for you. <laughs> <laughs> get over it. Get over it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's what, that's one that you should tell to Gary every day. Get over it. Whatever. Get over it. Thank you for calling in and thank you for listening. It's uh, 822, going to be mostly going to be mostly sunny today. Uh, got a few trade winds. It's not super windy or anything. A couple of showers here and there, light ones. But overall, a beautiful day in Hawaii. Ne? Tanner Hayworth, you have one? And I'm one kind of more related to sports. You are what your record is. You are what your record is. Didn't Rex Ryan, I think, say that a lot? Or the Parcells? I don't know, but you, you, you hear that. I mean, talking about sports, sports, you know, we're talking about annoying things people say. I mean, you could have annoying things sports pundits say. Hmm. Like, like, here's one. That team's fun to watch. <laughs> I was watching the Chicago Bears. That Justin Fields, he's fun to watch. Fun to watch. Here's another one. 
oh, that team doesn't give up. They play to the very end. Can you guys on the sports talk shows listen to yourselves? Play back a tape of your radio show and listen to how many times a week say, oh, fun to walk. Can he handle the pressure? Can he handle the pressure? Thank you. I have the one that bothers me the most. One of the so sports, at least, is who, who the team that won. They wanted it more than the other team. A word to that effect. They wanted it more. Yeah, I think that's actually true. Sometimes there's sometimes that is that is true. Being a person who played sports, there are times when, well, we really didn't want it more than the other team, and we lost. I think it depends on from who you hear it from. Mm-hmm. Because with if someone just casually comes out of nowhere like just comes oh they wanted it more it's like why do you think that it's like oh just from what i saw and they don't provide you any other reasoning past that it's like okay can you just like stop talking (laughs) but if it's from like a credible you know sports person and they say like look at this guy's body language and look how how he performed after this and i'm like okay yeah sure it kind of did look like that in his eyes but if it's just a casual fan telling me that this other team they looked like didn't want it that's okay sure man i'll give you an example i'll give you an example anybody who plays against a ben simmons team just wants it more (laughs) you 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 see a basketball lazy pass he's not really focused and in on it well if you're not focused on the game the other team wants it more I think it's a really hard thing to measure and gauge to say with any certainty that that's really what's taking place. It's like saying a team doesn't want to win when they're playing. Let's say a pro NBA game, no matter who it is. I mean, you're going to have the, you know, the Lakers don't want it more because they're 0-3. Sacramento's 0-3. They don't want to win. I think they do want to win. I think they want to win just as much as the team they're losing See, but to. That's, but that's a bad example. A I good example would be, yeah, but but that's not what Tanner's talking about. You're, you're saying exactly, I, I understand what you're saying. But you're not responding to what Tanner said. Tanner came out and said there might be certain things that an expert would look at and say, this is why I say. You, if you say, yeah, the Lakers, they don't want it as much as the other team, that's a stupid statement if you don't back it up. That's what Tanner's saying. <laughs> well, I'm just right? saying if we're going to talk about the Lakers, I don't doubt that the Lakers want to win. I think Russell Westbrook thinks he's doing the – like we could go back to <laughs> his whole situation – when he yeah. wanted that two for one, so he comes down with a quick three. <laughs> Everyone wanted to win that game for the Lakers. It's just that Russell Westbrook had a different idea of how he wanted to win the game than Anthony <laughs> Davis and LeBron James at that moment. That, that's a great point. Everybody wants to win. You know who wants to win? Jerry Rice. Somebody like Jerry Rice and how he prepared for games. Jerry Rice wanted to win. Tom Brady wants to win. I think every NFL quarterback wants to win. That's the whole. That's kind of my point about that. Not Art Schleister. <laughs> Not Art Schleister. You got to explain Art that, Schleister, as you would say to me. Art, I was getting to it. Art Schleister, who's I think he got went to jail again, had a gambling problem, and well, he got kicked out of the league. Art Schleister. That's one quarterback out of thousands who maybe didn't want to win. Uh, you didn't say name a thousand. You said, I don't know anybody. <laughs> I come back with Art Schleister, okay. and I proved my point. Who's on the line now? Hi, Al. How are you? How are you? How are you? How are you? Yes. Um, this stuff connected with sports, but what goes around comes around. How's that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, love it, love it. All right, hey, thanks for listening, Al. Uh, Laura Beeman's going to join us in a few minutes. I wonder if she has a sports cliche that she doesn't like, you know, that she hates hearing. But maybe an excuse from her player. Why did you miss that defensive matchup? Or why did you miss that screen or rotation? I could, maybe there's something typical a player says. I'm not sure. That'd be interesting you're, to hear. You know, be hilarious. Okay, she comes on and you're like, "Hey, Coach Beeman, congratulations on you know winning the Big West last week." And she goes, "Well, you know, we just wanted it more." <laughs> what would you What would you say to that, Carrie? Would you say, "Oh, come on." You can't say that. How do you know the other team didn't want it more? Well, to, to how, how if well, she what said I would it, say, you'd be all. If she said it, you'd be all. Oh yeah, coach. Oh okay. Yeah, good she, point. She would never say that. That we wanted it more. Yeah, uh, you don't know that. What if she's listening? She wants to play a joke on you. <laughs> well, that, that's different. Yeah. You would. You would crumble. You would crumble. And she say crumble. afterwards, she'd say, "But it is what it is." And I don't want to hear anybody say I would crumble. Come on, if I actually crumble. Oh, people are texting in at 808-296-1420. Thank you guys for listening, by the way. Um, let's see. Get Oh, got another one. Get over it. There are only so many words or phrases in the English language. Oh, telling us to get over it, I think. Maybe. Here we go. Here we go. Thank you, random man. It ain't over till it's over. Oh, here's a great one. It's a work in progress. We use that all the time. We've used that about UH football this year. Doesn't matter who it's from. It's dumb regardless. I don't know what they're talking about, though. They're commenting on something. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'll get back at you. That's one of them. Uh, For Hertz, it's only been – okay, that's something. We'll save that. That's when we get back to the NFL. Uh, Chris, you forgot to say the Warriors need a passing game to complement the run. Yes, I did when analyzing the the team. But – it is what it is. They're fun to watch. We're going to see who wants progress. it more. It's a work in progress. And, well, we'll see who wants it more come Saturday at T.C. Ching Athletic Complex. We're getting ready for Rainbow Wahine and Rainbow Warrior basketball coming up. What, a couple of weeks away from our first exhibition games. Teams are practicing. Laura Beeman joins us next on ESPN Honolulu. want to remind you, though, when the UH football team is on the road, you can join the Countdown to Kickoff crew doing the show, Josh Pacheco and Arnold Martinez, at Big City Diners two hours before kickoff, where you can enjoy Mega Modelo's drafts for just $7. Lots of prize giveaways, too. Thanks to Paradise Beverages, Modelo, Diotani Produce, and Coca-Cola. Her Beeman joins us now via the Aloha Kia hotline at Aloha Kia. You know a guy. Coach, thank you so much for joining us today. We were just looking ahead at the calendar. It's almost the end of October, which means your exhibition game on November 1st, just seven days away. How has practice been going so far? Good morning. Um, you know, practice has been going well. You know, this time of year, they're they're antsy to play against somebody else other than themselves. So, the exhibition game is coming at a great time. Um, but, you know, hard-working group of girls, and they are locked in, they're focused, and they're excited for the season. One of the things we were talking about on our show the other day when you were voted number one in the preseason poll, is that a good thing? Does it matter? Is there a target on your back? How do you look at that? 
you know, I think you can look at it any of those ways. Obviously, if you're not the number one team, you know, that's what you tell your team is go after Hawaii. They're number one. If you're the number one team, you have to talk about stay composed, a possession at a time. It doesn't matter where you're voted in October. It matters where you fall, you know, in April. And so, you know, I think that we just have open conversation with these girls about, look, you've been chosen number one for a reason. Uh, We had a great season last year with last year's team, but that was all last year. So, you know, I think it's just one of those things where you have to take a deep breath. You enjoy the moment. uh, You get excited and you feel, you know, really humbled that your colleagues would vote you there. But when it comes down to it, you got to work. I would think also it's kind of a sign of respect, not only for what you accomplished last year, but all the players that have come back and some of the new players for the season. You know, absolutely. We've got a really good group of young women coming back. You know, obviously the addition of our, you know, outstanding incoming freshmen as well as transfer players, Meg and and Lily, um, that definitely helps bolster up our roster. So I think everyone took a look at the the returners plus the incomers and said, wow, Hawaii's got a really good roster. But again, you have to play the game. so, you know, definitely not taking the, the vote for granted or, or, you know, looking past it. Definitely feel very respected. Um, but we got to play basketball now, and that's going to happen, like you said, in about seven days. So we, we have to continue to work and be ready. Rainbow Wahine basketball coach Laura Beeman joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. And in, in addition to having number one in the polls, in the preseason poll, you also had a first-team All-Big West player, and that's the transfer you were talking about. Freshman of the year last year at Fullerton out of Iolani, Lily Wahine Kapu. Can she, is she expected to fill Amy Atwell's shoes? I know that's a hard task to try to be able to accomplish. Amy had such a great career. How do you see her fitting in this season? You know, I don't think anyone fills Amy's shoes, and not just because of the points that Amy generated for us, but what Amy did for the overall offense. And, you know, Amy became the why for the girls that they wanted her to become, you know, conference player of the year. They wanted to win for her um, because of how hard Amy worked and what an amazing person she was. So, you know, I don't think Lily steps in and fills the shoes of Amy, but what I do is I, I think... I think that Lily fills her shoes really nicely, if if that makes sense. She's an outstanding player. She absolutely deserved that nod. Um, You know, no disrespect to Fullerton in any way, shape, or form. The way they played the game is very different than the way we play the game, and she's learning that there's a difference with, with our pace and Fullerton's pace and how we, you know, run our offense versus how they ran our offense. So she's on a huge learning curve. The great thing for Lily is she's incredibly coachable. Um, incredibly talented. She definitely will help offset the loss of Amy um, and Nay, for that matter. Um, but th- there's just a steep learning curve, and we're still trying to gain some chemistry. So, you know, we we know there's going to be pressure on her. She feels that pressure, but we don't want to put the pressure of filling Amy Atwell's shoes. Freshman coming in, her younger sister Jovi Lafotu. What do you what do you see her as far as the rotation is concerned? You know, I think right now, if you know, if we're lucky and we stay healthy, knock on wood, you know, we can play 15 girls any night. And that's the exciting part for us is, you know, you come in with a group and if they're not getting it done, you have young ladies that are behind them that are ready to play. Or you can definitely, you know, go after a team's, you know, tier two, tier three lineups, if you will. And so Joby's definitely going to be in the lineup, you know, she's or in the rotation, excuse me. She's playing hard. She, too, is on a learning curve as far as Division One pace. The great thing for Jovi is she has the opportunity to sit back and learn a little bit, you know, when it's when it's more difficult, uh, when she's not understanding things. Um, you know, you've got Kelsey and Maya returning. You've got Liv. You've got Deja. Now you've got Lily. So she's in a position where she can sit back very comfortably and watch, put her in situations where she can be successful. Um, she's an extremely talented, talented young lady. 
we're excited to see, you know, what she'll do, not just this year, but obviously years to come. Amongst your returning players, you mentioned Olivia and, and uh, you know, some of the things she has done last year, Deja Phillips. I was really impressed with Jackie David. The more I saw of her in the regular season, especially the Big West tournament, doesn't have you know a lot of point per se, but plays really good defense, good rebounder. I was really impressed with her game overall last year and what she adds to the team. Just a good fit. Yeah, you know, Gary, I think she's a sleeper. I think you hit it on the head. You know, it's, it's keeping her healthy. It's getting her into game shape. Um, those are the things with Jackie that we're looking for in taking some very small, um, very concise steps with her to make sure that, you know, we, we don't push too quickly. Um, when that young lady is healthy and she is at her best conditioning, she's a handful because she is a tweener. She can stretch the floor. She can post up. And, and like you said, she can do, a, you know, an array of other things for us as far as rebounding and running and just sees the floor so well and a phenomenal athlete. So, you know, right now for Jackie, we're keeping the expectations very low just for her, for her confidence, if you will, and for, you know, removing pressure and just saying, hey, let's look at the things that we can control. Um, you know, let's work to keep you healthy. And I think if Jackie, you know, can, can handle those things, then we'll start to raise the expectation the season goes, and she will have a phenomenal season for us, no doubt about it. Season tickets are on sale right now, and you'll start the regular season on the road like normally uh, against Oregon State. That's in 13 days. I think a lot of fans are really looking ahead to Sunday, November 27th, Thanksgiving weekend, where number two preseason Stanford comes in once again to the Stan Sheriff Center. You know, we've never shied away from tough competition. Um, you know, we knew that we would have a little bit of a veteran team coming into this season. And, you know, playing a team like Oregon State and actually Portland Pilots and Florida Gulf Coast, and then you mentioned Stanford, those are outstanding games for us. It was really going to show us where we are, where we need to get to. Um, you know, we're going to play at a pace and a, a basketball IQ in those games that is a little bit higher than maybe what we're normally used to. And so we're really excited to see those teams play against them and kind of see where, you know, where we are, what our moxie is a little bit. And so um, I'm, I'm glad it's quite a ways away. <laughs> we <have laughs> time. Um, but we're definitely looking forward to bringing in the, the caliber of opponents that we have in our tournaments. Man, when you look at Stanford, the uh, the AP preseason All American list comes out. Uh, you have uh, Haley Jones, six one senior guard, on that team playing for Stanford. Cameron Brink, a six four forward, was also receiving votes. So you have like two players, almost preseason All Americans, coming down to the Stan Sheriff Center. It's only a month away. It seems like it's around the corner. <laughs> You trying to you trying to keep me up at night there? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, you know coach. those two young ladies. I I've watched them throughout the summer. They're phenomenal, and and it'll be a great game. And I hope people will come out and support. With yeah, your, right on. With your team winning the regular season and the tournament championship last year, how has that helped in recruiting? You know, I think anytime you have success, you know, people want to be a part of that. Um, they look at that record. They see how we did it. Um, I think more than that, our, our players are the best recruiters we have because when we bring recruits on campus, um, they spend more time with our players than us as coaches. And our players are genuine. They're authentic in who they are. And so we can talk about, you know, what we did last year. We can show videos of what we did last year. But bottom line, you know, we've just got some tremendous young ladies in our locker room and how they represent who they are as people. And I think any recruit would, number one, be very lucky to play with this group, um, but also wants to because of that just authentic behavior. And so, you know, our, our locker room is great. Um, it makes coming to work fun every single day. 
um, and the girls like each other. And so, you know, those are just some really good recipes right now for us to hit the recruiting trail really hard um, and then just to continue to build, you know, where we are right now. It all starts next Tuesday. We'll have the radio broadcast, of course, of the exhibition game against HBU, and then it's the regular season right after that. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck this season. Hopefully back-to-back shirts will be necessary in March. <laughs> I really appreciate, I really appreciate that. Uh, right now we're just looking looking towards HPU is all. So <laughs> thanks, guys, for having me on this morning. All right. Right thank on. Thank you. Hey, ask her questions. I, I, I'd love her to just go like, we're just looking at playing HPU. Yes. Look forward to HPU. What about this player? Just looking forward to HPU. Now, is is that – are you definite that that's an exhibition game? Because yes. on the UH website, it doesn't say exhibition game. It is Usually it'll say game. it'll say exhibition. Oh, okay. The season doesn't start until, I think, November 7th is the earliest start date. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, and that is at Oregon State. Uh, and she mentioned Portland. Um, um I don't know much about Florida Gulf Coast. I know their men's team had that run. Yes. Boy, that's Stanford. Woo, that's going to be tough, man. I'm, hey, I'm all about moral victories when Stanford comes to town. I mean, two almost All-Americans. One All-American and one that made got that just missed the votes. Right, and they're usually in the final four. And She was telling us a few weeks ago, one of the growler shows that we did, Coach was saying how they want to come here every four years. They love to come here. And right on. That's great that they want to get it. You know, it's good that they want to come to get a top-ranked team pretty much every year, number two this year coming in. Yeah. And, and you know what? Because the despair is so much, um, there's not as much, um, oh, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm going blank. The, you, there's a lot of, there's just a few haves and a ton of have-nots in women's college basketball. For example, it's like uh, when you go to the college football playoff and it's really comes down to the number one and number two team you never see any upsets and college basketball there's in women's college basketball there's a few really great teams so they can afford to go back and have jet lag for a couple of a couple of games while they're still whipping their opponents especially at that time of the year because it won't be conference time that's a good right point. that's what i'm that's what i'm figuring it's like you're not gonna play playing I don't know who's like really good in women's basketball. South UConn, Carolina, UConn, South Carolina. Well, UConn, of course, but Arizona, yeah, South Carolina, no, Notre Dame, still maybe. Uh, you know, you're not going to be facing those guys, right? They, they've been good. I'm not sure if they've been in the Final Four lately, but they were like four or five years ago. Yeah. Hey, right now, uh, time for our bulletin board, brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union. And did you know that when you talk, read, or sing with your child, you're helping to shape their brain. Every parent has the power to create a strong start for our children from the day they are born. There's a website. Check it out. Talkingisteaching.org. you got free tips and ideas on how to transform everyday moments into magical moments for learning. Talkingisteaching.org. And that's your bulletin board brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union and ESPN Honolulu. talk a little bit about the NBA again, where the season is now one week old. And we mentioned earlier about how the Lakers are struggling. I, I, I love this story, how bad they are. And they got 
Minnesota and Denver this week on the road. I don't think they're going to make any coaching changes anytime soon, but there is talk. I mean, people in the sports media world at least are suggesting trade Russell Westbrook right now, bench him right now, either they or. They said that last year. They said that last year too, but right? But with a start for, at times, yes, and in the offseason they wanted him traded. They just couldn't get anybody. Kendrick Perkins from ESPN, former player in the NBA, former center, had an Perk. interesting take. Perk saying that the way Russell Westbrook is playing next year, he's probably going to be out of the league. And, you know, I kind of feel a little bad for Westbrook. Even though he's been bad at times, it's not all his fault. He's definitely going to the Hall of Fame. I don't think there's any doubt that he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. But I don't recall seeing a career that's not where he's old and injured right now, where his play has really faltered. It's just that I think the wrong fit, getting traded all the time. Other players have gotten traded like Chris Paul, and they got traded for each other. He's done pretty well for the most part. I thought maybe he was near the end of his career, and he's really doing well. But Russell Westbrook going to Houston, going to Washington, going to the Lakers, you know, he, he hasn't really had success. And in Houston, it was he and James Harden. It was probably never going to work out. You know but where he, he should to- go? You know where he should go? He should go to the uh, uh, New Orleans Pelicans. Why? Because their starters are always hurt anyway. Well, I mean, it's not, again, it's not his call where he goes. But the, I know the right. Lakers are trying to trade him. They could, they could have gotten him for Buddy Heald in a three-team trade. They don't want to give up two first-round draft picks. Right. They, they've made the wrong trade. They got rid of Kyle Kuzma, Caldwell Pope, who's now in Denver. They're getting rid of all these players, and they thought they were striking gold. Actually, it was LeBron's move, from what we hear, getting Russell Westbrook. Uh, again, the two games, two of the three games they played this year, zero and one turnovers. Now it's early on, but he did shoot over 11. Last year he was a turnover machine, especially the beginning of the season. It's not all on him. When you think of him as being a really bad player now, his numbers last year, and I was even surprised to read these, 17.5 points, 7 assists, 7 rebounds. Not a good shooting percentage, but still his numbers weren't that bad on a bad team. What you're getting at with Russell Westbrook is that he's a good player, it's just not a good fit. Yeah. When you talk about Al Horford and not a good fit wherever that was. Philadelphia it was. With yeah, Philadelphia, it bad. wasn't a good fit. How come, and I'm not putting you down because other people say it. You're just getting this information. This is what other people say. Why Why can Joe Schmo say that's a bad fit, but the coaches and GMs can't see that? That's what I don't get. It's a risk. They're trying to trying to just trying to strike gold, so to speak, when they're getting Russell Westbrook. You needed somebody else. You thought he was an offensive machine, a good defensive player, but it wasn't a good fit in LA and I don't know why they didn't realize okay. it. Part of it is Rob Palinka never or, was a GM before. Or or is part of it LeBron James saying, Get me Russell Westbrook, then it doesn't work out and he goes, Oh, that's on Palinka. Well, part of it is, is LeBron it? James getting it. I don't think he said it's on Palinka, but it's LeBron James they didn't want Buddy Heald. He wanted Russell Westbrook. He and Anthony Davis went to management and said, this is the guy we need, and they listened to him. Stupid move. One of the reasons players shouldn't be GMs or dictate trades or really right. heavily suggest moves for the team to make. Leave it to the pros. But Rob Polinka, inexperienced there. I think the Lakers have just handled it poorly. One of the reasons LeBron James has been to so many championship games is because stars follow him around. Why aren't the stars following LeBron James around now? People are usually, you know, knocking on the door. Hey, LeBron, you need any help? I'll come join you. That kind of stuff. Nobody's doing that today. 
I think part of it is that they think LeBron's near the end of his career. And if you sign, let's say, a four-year deal with the Lakers as a free agent, is he going to be there in year three or four? That was even the case a year or two ago. Now, he hasn't slowed down yet, but, I mean, Anthony Davis took that chance, even though it wasn't his decision, so to speak. But he know he wanted out of New Orleans, and everybody thought he was going to L.A. I think that's part of it is that LeBron's getting a little up there. And also the Lakers, they're not the Knicks, but it's not exactly the strongest organization these days. With you know who's running it, the genie bus, and you saw the uh, the legacy series on Hulu showing what a mess they've been. Now genie bus is in charge, but you got a GM who again is inexperienced. You had Magic Johnson there for one year; he quit because he wasn't allowed to fire Luke Walton. They made poor coaching hires. I don't think Frank Vogel was a bad hire. I don't think they necessarily should have gotten rid of him. It just hasn't worked out. It's been a perfect storm of failure. Really, not working out for them. And I, I think they've got to make a move, even though don't look at 0-3 and say, well, they're done for the season. They've got to make a move to right the ship or they're not going to be a playoff team. Or they, they are, they're going to get knocked out first round. And I just think it's right now working out poorly for them, and maybe they will make a trade. Westbrook's got to go, but who's going to want him? Who's going to want Westbrook? Unless he's pitching the free agent to be, maybe you get that cap relief. That's the only reason I think a team would want him, to have a free agent who they can dump his salary next year. The only way it makes sense. But right now, I am enjoying the 0-3 start for Chris Hart's Los Angeles Lakers. And that's all I got to say about that. And that's all the time we have for today. We will see you guys tomorrow at 6 a.m. We're going to have an author of a Bo Jackson book joining us tomorrow, Jeff Perlman as well, the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu.